All right, everyone. Hanukkah is a time to illuminate with the oil. The oil is the secrets of the Torah. And the oil is not just the secrets of the Torah, the secrets of the secrets. So here we're going to learn some Hasidus. This week we said in Ayom Yom how Thursday night you're supposed to learn Hasidus. Because without that, you don't can't you can't come into Shabbos. So here we are a little late, but we're getting started. All right. So um, in the ha- um, Haftorah this week, uh, there's a special Haftorah this Shabbos, it's Shabbos Hanukkah. Um, there is a Haftorah talking about the, the prophecy in, in Sefer Zechariah. It's a prophecy that was a, a, a consolation for the Jewish people during the Babylonian exile. Actually, at the end of the exile, they were already at the point where they were going to, they were permission was given to them already to go build the second temple, but then it was halted and people were getting frustrated. There's 18 years already that they're sitting and waiting after it was permission was given and it didn't happen. And people were beginning to think that it's not going to happen. Similar to us, maybe in our times in which we saw so many messianic elements that were going on in the world just a few, a little while ago. And now it seems like things are a little bit backwards for a while. This must be like a very, 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 um, deep, mysterious time that we're in right now. But um, at that time, there was this, this this darkness because the people were getting very down. And so the prophet came to encourage the Jewish people. And uh, during that prophecy, he shows him a vision of a menorah. And a menorah was a seven-branch a seven, uh, menorah made out of gold. And it had seven lamps on it. And on top of the, the menorah, there was a. On top of the menorah, there was a um, a bowl, a golden bowl. The gula al roisha. There was a golden bowl. The golden bowl had faucets or spouts coming out of it. Seven faucets, seven spouts, and they were, and these spouts were pouring oil into the lamps, which were on top of the candelabra. On the side of this bowl with the seven spouts were two two olive trees. And the vision was that the olives were dropping on their own. No one needed to, you know, uh, pick the olives. The olives were dropping off the the trees into some kind of an automated uh, system, into some kind of a machine that was doing everything on its own where the olives were just being pressed on their own and the oil was flowing, the oil that was flowing from the trees, from the olives that got crushed in the, in the press, went automatically into the bowl. Then the bowl was dripping these, um, this, uh, this was the first automated system that anybody ever imagined. It was in a dream where you had a, a machine working. This is three, you know, a few thousand years ago where the prophet sees this. And the oil goes into the bowl, and the bowl drops it into this through the seven spouts into the seven lamps, and the menorah is lit up. And the, and the, and the prophet, I think it was who, who the prophecy came to. The prophecy came to um, hold on over here. Yeshua, the son of Yehotzadak, he's the one who has this his. Um, no, Zechariah has the has the vision, not Yeshua. The Zechariah has the vision. 
And uh, he asks Hashem, what is this menorah? What is this all about? What is it showing me? And the answer that God gives him in this prophetic vision, Zedvar Hashem el Zerubavel, that this is a, the word of God, this is a message to Zerubavel. Who is Zerubavel? According to Rashi, according to the Gemara Masechta Sanhedrin, Zerubavel is Nehemiah. And he's one of the builders of the second temple. And the idea was that the, that the, the, the Jewish people are going to be lit up again. The menorah, this, that, you know, the Jewish people are going to be a light to the world when the, when the Beis Amigdash is standing. Uh, when the temple is standing and, and Israel is going to be a light to the entire world, it's, it's going to happen. The menorah, is, the menorah is going to be lit again. And, and the menorah is referring, as we're going to see soon, it's referring to the Jewish people as a whole, especially in the time of, of, of when the temple is standing, when, our, when we bring godly light down for the entire world. But the message over there was that even though they felt, how how's that going to happen? They were under the, the this world power dominance of Persia at that time. And they had given them, they were blocking it. There were so many forces, so many, the nations all around, they were trying to persuade the government to stop the building of the temple, similar to what we saw in the UN this week, where they just passed a resolution where 134 nations, where they, the, the, kind of in the resolution, it, it, it says, it, 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 it emphasizes that only Islam has a, has a connection to the temple mount, not, 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 not the Jewish people. It's, it's insane. Um, oh, why is that again? And why is that the issue out of all issues? Like that's the issue. And the reason is because, you know, they know it's so close. They know it's so close. And the clipo will be completely evaporate the moment that Temple Mount is restored to its original ownership to the Jewish people. And we can build the temple and God's light can illuminate the entire world. Gone will be the clipo forever. So it is panicking. Literally, they are panicking. And as a result of that, they're trying to stop it like it was in Persia by the time of the temple, the second temple. And those permission was granted already. Then they came and they did whatever they can to stop it. So the prophet is, is kind of the Jewish people were so worried and concerned that this will never materialize. So the prophet is saying, not only will it happen, it will happen without your work. You won't even have to do anything. Meaning you won't even have to come just like the menorah is burning. It's a self-production. It doesn't require, God is doing it for you. It's all being done on its own. So too, it's not going to be with an army. It's not going to be with a koach. It's, God is going to make it happen. At that time, how did God make it, made it happen? He made it happen through putting it into the heart of Cyrus, of Koresh, to build the base of Migdash, or Duryash, whoever it was that finally got it done. Um, but um, that was at that point. But um, now in the third base of Migdash, it's also going to be a divine power. So with the UN and with all these guys who think they can stop it, they're not stopping anything. Or today we heard that Blinken was trying to tell uh, what's his name, uh, Bennett, that they should stop, uh, stop, stop building more, more homes or more settlements. It ain't gonna happen. Blinken can do whatever he wants, and this administration and that administration can say whatever they want. They're not going to stop the rebuilding of Israel for the Jewish people because it's God's will. So they, they, they have absolutely no power and no say in the matter whatsoever. So it's similar, I'm just saying that the, 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 the prophecy that's taking place over that we're going to read on Hanukkah is so consistent with the time we're in right now. It's at the end of the exile. We've seen already so much incredible divine revelation. 
and now it seems to be a little bit of a setback, and we should know that this is where the prophecy is coming to us right now. Our menorah is still going to burn. Not only still going to burn, boy, will it burn. It will light up the whole world. That's the general idea of the prophecy. Now, we li- there's a mimer from the Alter Rebbe, which we learned like four years ago, four, three, four years ago, maybe five years ago, I think about four years ago. And this mimer is in Torah, Oyer, Daflam, Dalid, and where he explains this of Torah. Uh, the mimer over there doesn't begin with the Torah. It begins with the pasuk, "Ki imcha makar chayim." With you is the source of life. With your with with your light, we will see light, which is obviously talking about a divine illumination. That with your light we will see light, which is a pasuk in Tehillim, chapter I think thirty six. In Tehillim. We're in the middle of that chapter. There's this pasuk, with you is the source of life. With your light, we will see light. Now we can understand why that's a Hanukkah mimer. Because a Hanukkah, that's all a celebration. It's the holiday of lights. It's a holiday of divine light. And, right, so that's, we're talking about the light that we bring into the world through our Hanukkah menorah and really through all the mitzvahs. Kiner mitzvah Torah or mitzvahs are near. And the Jewish people, the souls are called neros. They're called lamps. It's all about illumination. So that's why it's on this puzzle. But immediately the mimer goes right into the the mimer, the discourse goes in to explain the haftorah of Shabbos Hanukkah, which talks about this menorah that he saw in his vision. And the mimer explains, and we learned this a few years ago, it's really a very special, beautiful. I listened to it just now. Didn't listen to too much. I listened to the first 20 minutes because I was trying to figure out. I started, I have to say, I started preparing this very late and um, didn't give this enough preparation. And our discourse that we are learning today is a commentary on the discourse we learned a few years ago. So I went back to the discourse a few years ago. I said, did I teach this ever? And then I listened. I said, wow, it's really good stuff. So if you want to listen to the discourse itself, you can go back to the Maimar called Ki'im Chumakar Chaim. And now we're going to learn the Bior, the explanation on the discourse. So here we are. Um, I'm just give you the gist of it, but we're going to learn it a little bit more kabbalistically in today's in today's class. So the gist of it is that the Jewish people serve as the conduit to make God real in this world. Without the Jewish people, God is in the abstract. God dissolves into His infinite nothingness. When I say nothingness, means beyond any definition and therefore beyond any um, relatable entity. And when God is in his natural inwardness, then there is no life in the creation. There is life. It's not that creation doesn't exist because he kind of, you know, similar. this is a very similar idea to what we always speak about Rosh Hashanah and the discourses of why we need to refresh God's interest in the creation because without it, even though there will be a creation, but it will be an autopilot. The creation will exist, but without God's investment. And what happens when the creation remains intact because God decreed it should exist? And he's in, in the sense, not just decreed thousands of years ago that it should exist. He set the, the laws of nature in, in, in motion, but he's not only that. He, he is emanating it and cre- he's, he's animating it and creating it, sustaining it, and, and, and bringing it into beingness every second. But even that is possible in a very sleepy, lethargic, un, 
on a non-engaged way. When you have the world in that state, then there is no godliness in creation, visible godliness. And you have a world that is just run by systems. It's all God, but it's very systemized and there's no miracles. And there's no revealed presence of God in the world. And of course, when that happens, the wicked are very powerful. Those who want to live a godless existence dominate because there's no countering, there's nothing countering their 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 godlessness, their claims that there is no God, because the system seems to be very, 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 very predictable and very consistent. And God doesn't seem to be interfering or, or meddling too much and therefore allowing things to just run, you know, without a boss. And when the boss is not in town, sometimes it's what we call in Yiddish becomes a hefkervelt. It becomes a free-for-all. It becomes like a jungle. Those who have the power to dominate or to manipulate or to, to, uh, to you know, to, 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 to do all kinds of atrocities, do whatever they want. And they feel they can get away with it because there's no accountability. Because they don't see a higher force that's running, that's engaged and involved. But when God is engaged and involved in a very deep way, he's very invested in the world. Obviously, then there's much more miracles happening. You can see God running the fear because God is constantly, even though he's running the world through nature, but he's constantly tweaking nature. He is transparent through nature, or at least translucent. And as a result of that, there is a very strong awareness of God in the world and people behave much better. And then that which is holy and godly and consistent with Hashem's wish and purpose in creation is strengthened and, and empowered. And that which is anti-godly and anti-holy and wicked and whatever, and godless, is minimized and weakened. So there, and, that, and that's basically the idea of when a temple is standing. When a temple is standing means that God moves into this world. In a, in a, with a visible presence, and that's why it's a time of miracles. And that's why it's a time when holiness dominates and the wicked are very weak. So now you can understand why the temple is a thorn in the eye for all the Klippas. And that's why the very notion of Jerusalem belonging to the Jewish people is something that whoever stands for unholiness is very unpleased with. So that explains the UN's panic this week. And that explains the the, uh, the the new administrations now, new negotiations to stop the building of settlements. Because again, for Israel to be, for God to move into Israel, Israel has to be there. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Jews have to be there. God goes where the Jews are. When the Jews are in exile, God is in exile. When Jews are in Israel, God is in Israel. So when the Jewish people are expanding their settlements in Israel, which is their land, it's not occupied territories, it's our land. And when we want to build there, it causes a panic. And that's why we're finding them, you know, trying to mess. But but we declare right over here at this class, Thursday night, 140 North La Brea Avenue, we declare that Utsu Eitzavisufa, Dabra Dabra they can take all their 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 papers and they can take all their officials and they can take all their they're whoever they are, and they are nothing. They are absolute nothing. They're powerless. They're meaningless. And they're going to disintegrate. They're going to become like puff, garnished to them. And that's the way it is. That's based on what we learn on the mimer over here. This mimer that we're going to learn is going to make nothing out of them. That's the story. 
Because, here's the Nikud, because when God does come into the world and he does engage and he does involve, then, then and that's where they panic. That idea is the whole concept of this menorah. The menorah, when God is showing the vision, God is showing, uh, um, um, when he says, you know, he asked him, what's this menorah all about? And the answer is, is this the word of God to, to Zerubbabel? So according to the Alter Rebbe, when it says this is the word of God, doesn't mean this is a message that God is sending. The menorah is the word of God. And who is the word of God? The Jewish people are the word of God. On a simple level, we are the word of God because we carry God's words to the world. We're the messengers of God's word to the world. We're the ones who bring to the world. We heard, we were the ones who heard at Sinai and communicate to the world what God says. And therefore we bring the Bible to the world. We bring the Torah to the world. The Torah is God's word to, to humanity. So that's on this very simple level why we're called the word of God. Another reason why we call the word of God on a deeper level is because our sole source is in the Shekhinah. And the Shekhinah is called the world of speech, God's speech. Malchus, God's reign, God's power of kingship is called speech. And that is the collective element of divine speech. That is our souls. We are all spar. Every Jew is part of the divine speech because we're meant to speak, to speak divinity, to channel and to speak divinity. We are the word of God to the world. We are the energy of Malchus. And what's the menorah? God says that the Var Hashem, the word of God, that is the menorah. The word of God is the menorah. That means, what is the function of a candelabra? The function of a candelabra is to illuminate. What's the light that we need to illuminate into the world? Not physical light, holy light, godly light. We need to illuminate and bring godly awareness in the world. But it's as we're going to learn in the Mimer, our work is not only bringing godly awareness by telling people about God, but actually... Our work is even more than making the world know about God that we speak to people. We're speaking to God and making him come down here. In other words, the reason God is visible is not only because we're speaking about him, but because we are channeling him. We are attracting him. He is attracted to us through our observance of mitzvahs. We're going to see in a moment. That's how we funnel him and invest him and engage him. And then we become lit up with his light. So not only are we illuminating his light, but we become illuminated. We become luminant, we become luminous ourselves. And we are this bright, we are this bright menorah illuminating and shining and bestowing godly light, bestowing godly light onto the universe. And Hashem is channeled through us. That's the idea of menorah kula. And he explains a little bit more in detail that the menorah itself, that's the Jewish soul, the, the collective Jewish soul, and then each individual soul is a little piece of that menorah. The seven lamps are the seven divine emotions that inspire us, which is a level higher than Malchus. Malchus is the menorah. The seven lamps are the seven uh, the Zeir Anpin, the six spheros, seven spheros sometimes, including Malchus as well, but as it's part of the six, so that makes it seven. It's the seven spheros that are higher than speech. 
Okay, you have the divine emotions, which are the energy, and that's illuminating the speech. That's illuminating the Shekhinah, the seven masculine, the seven masculine lights, or the six masculine lights flowing into the seventh and then turning into speech, flowing into speech, which we are the, the, the speech. We are the menorah, but the menorah has lamps on it. And those lamps is this higher level of godliness that illuminates upon us. And the reason it's upon us is because sometimes we feel it, sometimes we don't feel it, but it's always in our subconscious. There's always love and fear and awe. All these powerful godly lights are always enveloping us like the, like the menorah lamps on top of the menorah. But on top of that, even higher than the lamps is the bowl, the golden bowl, which has these spouts coming from it. And the golden bowl represents already a level that's all this. You see, the menorah with its seven lamps that is us drawing God down into a manifest state to be in a relationship with the world. So Kabbalistically, it's us bringing God into the world of emanation, what's called the world of Atzilut. When we invest and infuse God into the world of Atzilut, we are creating the menorah. We bring him down first into the seven lamps and then from there into the menorah itself, which is the candelabra, which through that we illuminate the three lower worlds, which is the Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, with godly, with godly vitality, energy, and illumination. And of course, with godly blessing. So we have to first create God as a menorah. We draw him down into the illuminations of Atzibot. But we know that God infinitely, so but why do we have to bring him down? Because he infinitely transcends Atzibot. And naturally, as I said earlier, he's private. Naturally, he is remote. Naturally, he withdraws away from this entire, who needs the headache of a creation? Who needs all of this? He's so beyond it. So in order to connect him that he should want to come down, that's the function of the bowl. The bowl is called a koiseres. It's the idea. It's called a gulas, but it's also in a different place. It's called koiseres. It's the element of keser. Keser is the sphera that's above atzilut. It's above atzilus, which is the world of emanation, the range of the spheres. It's the infinite light that is that is that is acting as a medium through which God presents Himself into the attributes. So it's still beyond the attributes, but it's already a funnel to the attributes. And it's called the crown, just like a human. The sphero like is like in the image of a human. When God comes down into the spherotic range, then God is called a human. When God manifests Himself in the spheros, He's called a human. Where does the crown go? Above that. Now, by us it works. Let's understand this. By us it works. The first you have a human, then he's elected king, and after he's elected king, you put a crown on his head. By God it works the opposite. First there is nobody. There's just an infinite light. Then there is a crown. The crown, and then from the crown comes the human underneath it. In other words, the crown acts the as the as the in between between the infinite and even a desire to. To a desire to manifest as a as a force, as a force to create. So there has to be a medium that's Ratzon, that, that's Kesser. Kesser is always Ratzon. And Ratzon is still the infinite. So it's and that's the bowl. The bowl that feeds the menorah. You have to feed the menorah. 
And the bowl, what is a bowl? A bowl is a recipient that's receiving like from beyond, it's taking it in, but then it feeds it into a certain menorah. So for God, godliness to be fed into this, 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 the cosmos in order to, now remember, to remember one thing, we're not talking about creation over here. Creation happened way back whenever it happened. We're talking about intensifying the bond after creation because it's possible to have a creation continuing in a very godless state. Not that God is not present, but he's present only to the beer, 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 beer minimum. And here we're talking about engaging a, a, a powerful investment and infusion and God to become intimate and excited about his creation. And that he has to fill the bowl first. And once he fills the bowl, so the main objective really with the main work comes in is, is creating that bowl, which serves as the crown, the bowl, that's the oil. It's getting that bowl from the infinite. And that's the main objective of the mimer explaining how do we create that bowl? How do we create within God an interest to be involved in the creation? The Jewish people do that, but how do we do it? Specifically, we there's a specific avoda called Kabbalah's Earl Malchashamain, the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. It's a, it's an absolute abnegation of ourselves to want to be involved with him, to want to surrender ourselves from all other desires, and our primary desire is only God. And in that complete and, and, and total surrender of our being, in which we drop all everything else and we become obsessed with, 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 our, with being in a connection, being in a relationship with God, to engage God, that becomes our primary drive to the point of that we neglect everything else in our existence. It's a form of mesirat nefesh. It's a form of self-sacrifice. It's, it's a form of complete dismissal of all other pleasures and wants that might which are based in a selfishness where it's not about ourselves at all. It's just about a connect to connect to the infinite. And that all the, that's all that we want. That's the, through that abnegation of self is we draw this keter, this crown. And then later when we do the individual mitzvahs, we are engaging and investing God into all the details of these, the attributes. We bring him into all the specifics. And once Hashem is then designed in through all the specifics, he is in a, a state of fully invest investment and fully engagement and fully, fully present within the world. And then holiness is in his full of his glory and that which is, and God's blessings fills the world and the klipa and that which wants to live God in a godless state is eradicated or at least severely damaged and decreased. And obviously, when this happens for the final time, they're going to be disappear completely. So let me put it in these words. The main mimer is based over here. This particular beer that we're going to learn is basically is mostly going to focus on creating that bowl. What does it take to create the bowl that's on top of the menorah? Because once the oil is in the bowl, it's already going to come into the menorah. But how do you get the oil down into the bowl from those two olive trees that are on the side? And we said the two olive trees. How do you get that oil flowing? How do you get? It? In other words, how do you engage the infinite? That's why I call the class online engaging the infinite. How do you engage the infinite? That he should take interest in the finite, in the world, and emerge with the world, descend into the world. How do you do that? And that's that's that, and that's we have a privilege that we're given the privilege. That we can participate in this. We can engage. And not only participate, we are the ones that make it happen. 
So I'll, tr- I'll try I'll tr- to put it this way. In other words, the whole point of the Maimer is Hamshachas HaKeser, to draw down the crown, to create the crown. Now, what, how, do you, how do you get a king to put on his crown? By being totally submissive to the king. But when, we, when the king sees that the people want to live for their king, they want to devote their very being to the king, that creates the interest in the king to want to be a king. This is very similar to the Rosh Hashanah Maimar, but here it turns into a Hanukkah Maimar. And as a result of this avoda, and the main mimer is going to explain one idea. It doesn't. It, it it comes. The main avoda that we're talking about, the main drive that creates all of this, is 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 um, super rational service. In other words, in order to 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 affect the kesser level, the service has to go beyond our heads. We can't be calculated and and um, rational. Meaning, of course, we're supposed to be rational in our lives as well, but it can't stop with rationality and it can't stop with logic and we can't be motivated just with with reason. As much as our mind appreciates and understands, that's how devoted we are. Because that's all finite and limited and you're not going to engage the infinite. You got to bring the fire of your soul. You got to bring the madness into Judaism. You got to be a fanatical Jew in the sense of fanatic. You got to be crazy about God. And without that craziness, it's the craziness that touches the infinite. It's the craziness that stimulates the orange self. It's the craziness that draws down the crown. Actually, it came just in time. It's the it's the craziness, and only the craziness that 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 pulls the or the the Eberster down to be to that's mamshech the That's the idea. Okay, so now let's read inside Biradvar. The explanation of the matter of which says, with you is the source of life. The Pasuk says, with you, God, is the source of life. The Pasuk says, with you, is the source of life. And then it says, right, with your light, so what does that mean? So he explains, Inyan Taryag Mitzvah and Taryag Orchen Shabagogult. The idea of in, in Kabbalah and in mysticism, it says that the three six hundred and thirteen commandments that there are are called the six hundred and thirteen path pathways of the skull. That sounds strange. What does that mean? Now, skull is generally the skull is, is the bone that's on top of the brain. And when you say a person's head, the main element of the head is not the skull. The main element of the head is the inside of the head, which is the brain. The skull, however, is a crown, is a crown above the brain. So therefore the skull represents mystically, it represents the level of Keter, this infinite, the light where the energy is still infinite and it's still encompassing the, 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 all the worlds. It's still surrounding all the worlds. It's not yet vested in. It's still a stage before investment. It's, God is, hasn't yet contracted himself, like so to speak, into the universe. He's still above it, but he's interested in it. That's why it's a skull. It's sitting above already. Now, the mitzvahs are 613 pathways because in order to bring, when the light, when the, when the energy is still in Kesser, it's still not manifest in the creation. It's still not perceivable. It's not, it's still infinite. It's still above. 
So it needs to descend down from the skull. It has to go down to the sphero. It's like from the bowl. It needs to pour into the lamps for it to for it to create light in the room. The menorah will only illuminate if the lamps are burning. Now the lamps to burn, they need the oil. The oil has to be in the lamp, which means in the in the in the in the vessel, in the container, not in the bigger bowl. The bowl is still it's a huge bowl. So the oil has to come down through the spouts. Right? Remember, we spoke earlier, the spouts that bring the oil down into the thing. So in order to draw the light down from the skull downward, that's the mitzvah. Every and what is a mitzvah? Mitzvah relates to the skull because a mitzvah is the God's will, but it's God's will in something particular. So once it's God's will into something particular, you're connect. It's the will. It's drawing from his the infinite, and it's drawing God godliness down to one of the particular features of the divine manifestation. In other words, God first manifesting. And we spoke earlier. There is the infinite. That's God as he's infinite. Then there is God as he becomes a source. A, a God is called a man. He's called in, in, in the prophet psalm as a human. He, he's then already in a stage. He has already come some kind of human features in the sense that he has the, the concepts that apply to him, like wisdom, emotions, and so on, which are all important for him to engage in the world. So what makes the connection from the infinite to that stage? So the skull... It needs that's why there's 613 pathways which relate to the 613 limbs we have 248 limbs 365 arteries which make up a human so it says zohar says that the 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 uh the mitzvahs are the 613 paths of the skull that means it's coming from the skull as his tariag orchen which is in the skull of the zair anpin of the zair anpin. zair anpin is already the parts of, of the spherot, the attributes, the six, the 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 uh, either the configuration of all ten attributes are sometimes called the eranpin. More in particular, it's the seven emotional attributes of God. But the skull of it represents still a level of keter, of crown, removed. And the six hundred and thirteen are six hundred and thirteen pathways, which can other either be reflected or re referred to as channels. You have to take, it's channeling his will that he should descend into the uh, Visharsha. But all the 613 mitzvahs have, have, have the same source. What's their source? Not the 613 mitzvahs. The 613 paths in God's skull, so to speak, in the divine skull, have a source Mechad orcha from one singular channel, the erech anpin of erech anpin. Erech anpin is the same, Id same idea of Gulgalta. Gul it's also a level of keter, but it's a much higher level of keter. In other words, erech anpin is generally the name of, you know, in keser itself, there's two levels. There's, there's erech anpin and atik yomin. Keser. The external part of the, of the Kesar is called Erech Ampin, the moon phase. So let me just tell you, let me just digress a second. You know, when we speak about spherot and attributes, we have to realize that, you know, we're speaking, these things are multi-layered, multi-layered, layers upon layers and layers. So there is Kesar, there is the level of Kesar, and, and you find that concept of Kesar on many, 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 many planes, on many levels. 
So for instance, we're going to see soon in the Mimer, Malchus, which is the lower, the lowest attribute, Malchus of Atzilus, which is the lowest attribute of the divine. So when is it the lowest? Compared to all the higher attributes above it, but compared to the creation, Malchus is Keter. It's still an, in, Malchus is still called infinite. And Malchus, which is the lowest, the most constricted level of the world of Atzilus, becomes the Keter, becomes an, considered an infinite, all-encompassing energy for the three lower worlds. So that's one level of Keser. Now, on top of Malchus, above Malchus, prior to Malchus, is the six emotions, masculine emotions, which compared to Malchus, they're called infinite. Malchus is called finite compared to the Zeir Anpin, which the Zeir Anpin is called infinite. It's called Ein Sof, right? Compared to Malchus. Yes. Yet the Zeir Anpin itself is called small face. If it's called small face, it means it's already limited. It, 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 with all of its grandeur, it's called small face. And but what are we talking about earlier? Where the mitzvahs are rooted? The mitzvahs are rooted in the crown, in the gilgolas of the zeirampin. That means in the zeirampin itself, on the level of skull, which is the keser of the zeirampin. So here you have a second level of keser. Earlier we spoke that malchus itself is a keser. That in the zeirampin there is a keser to the zeirampin. But now we're going even higher because on top of Zairampin, we know there is the Mochim, Chachma, Bina, and Das, wisdom, and Bina, and Das. And above the Chachma, Bina, and Das is, is, is what's called the Keser of Atsilus. And that's the Erech Anpin. That's the Keser of Erech Anpin. Obviously, that's an infinitely higher Keser. And there's Keser even higher and higher. It even goes up to higher. So you say, the source of mitzvahs are like this. Individually, when you're looking at the mitzvahs individually, each one is another pathway from the head, from the skull of the Zeirab, from the Kesser element of Zeirab. But if you're tracing it even higher in the Erech Ampin, over there, it's one pathway. It's not 630. So what does that mean? We'll see later in the Maimon. When you love someone, excuse me, and you want to be in a relationship with them, you you, you get involved with them, you you love them, you're you're connected to them, and, and 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 what will you do because you love them? Whatever you can do to make them happy, make them a tea, you run an errand for them, you send them a nice card, you bring them flowers. Another time you bring them chocolate. Another time you you know, just kind in a different way. You pick them up from the airport. You bring them, you do them, you do, you like this person. So you want them. These are particular things that you're doing, which in each one of them, there is will and there's excitement. There is desire. But what is it really all about? There's really one singular desire. That's the source of all these individual desires is that you have a desire to be engaged with them because you love them. That's the essence of the desire. Then it it splinters into a million, uh, you know, all the all the details where the desires become particularized. So with mitzvahs, it's the same thing. The root of all mitzvahs is God wants to be in a relationship with us. He wants us to be one with Him. He wants us to connect to Him. 
That's the singular desire of all mitzvahs. It's called the will of wills. That's the keser of the of the of the erech ampin. It's still beyond any details. There's no details yet. There's not even a. It's still a, a pure, infinite desire, but it's a desire already to be, to be, to be connected. God is going out of Himself, so to speak, to to engage, to involve. And then, how does it particularize the desire? It's in each individual mitzvah in a particular way, and that is the six hundred and thirteen um, 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 pathways of the skull. It's still skull because it's still desire. It's still a level of desire, but it's already has already more specification. That's the idea. But the question of it, and here's the idea. Through doing mitzvahs, especially when we don't do mitzvahs lethargically, heavily, like just like that. But we do mitzvahs with energy, with excitement, with fervor. We feel how fortunate that we can do these godly things and we want to connect to God. That's when we activate these 613 pathways of the skull. We create that crown. We, we, we energize the mitzvah. Not only are we fulfilling the mitzvah, we're energizing the mitzvah. We're creating the will. We're intensifying it. But more than all of that, we can actually create the will of all wills. And that's by our, our, our transcendental desire to, to, to be that, that overpowers everything else in our lives is that we want to be we want to be connected to God. We want to be in a relationship. And that's the singular desire, which he's going to explain in the Mimer, like in the beginning of the day, when we say, Hero Israel, Shema Yisrael, we give ourselves over completely to God before we start getting into details how we're going to do it. But we're so excited and we say, Shema Yisrael, we're willing to, 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 to give up our own personal pursuits and everything else becomes not. And our only thing is to serve you, Hashem. That's when we engage God's on that very, very transcendental desire and draw him down into the bowl. Once the oil is in the bowl, every time we do a mitzvah, we're channeling some of that bowl into one of the seven narrows and then eventually and through that into menorah and through that down into this world to reveal godliness in this world. Let's first understand all the mitzvahs are called the mitzvahs of Hashem. So we have to understand, understand one thing. When we're doing a mitzvah, we're not just doing what God commanded us to do. We're not doing human activities that God commanded us to do. We are doing divine activities. And that doesn't only mean that we're doing, it becomes divine because we're doing them because God told us to do so. That itself makes it already a divine act because we're being prompted to do so because God told us to do so. But even more than that, it's called a divine act because God himself does the mitzvah. And not only these are mitzvahs that God does, but actually when we're doing the mitzvah, he is doing it simultaneously with us. So that's why our mitzvah is a divine act, because God is actually doing this very same mitzvah as you're doing it and you're causing him to do it. So Asher Kedishanu, you sanctify the mitzvah, you, you, when you're doing the mitzvah, God is doing the mitzvah alongside you, together with you. Mitzvah Hashem. Well, what does it mean that God is doing the mitzvah? As you can explain. The whole mitzvah, nikra mitzvah, savaya. 
All the mitzvahs are called the mitzvahs of the Ebershter. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Maniach Tefillin, the Ebershter himself dons Tefillin. Umisatav Petzitzis, and God wears Tzitzis, Umisbalon. So maybe next time you meet a Jew who's reluctant to put on Tefillin, you're asking him to put on Tefillin, and you're reluctant to do the Tefillin, how about of suggesting to him that he has the power right now to make God put on Tefillin? And a little explanation meaning that God will fill the think tanks of the world with infinite energy into the divine supermind. So the divine supermind is going to now become infinitely more super and endlessly more powerful and an, inc- an endless amount of intelligence will flow into the universe for infinite potential for the universe now to have, which will trickle down in endless amount of new innovation and new light and new intelligence to solve every problem and way beyond that, to make life endlessly better. And it's all dependent on you putting on film. I mean, you can write a grant to the science, to the, to the, to the, uh, to the university of whatever, and give them even a hundred million dollars if you are, uh, you know, uh, what is it, Elon Musk, or or whatever, and you're deciding that you care about the world, and therefore you want to, you want to, um, um, what's it called again? You want to enhance human research, whether it's medical research or other scientific uh, research, so that to, for the betterment of the planet. You hear that? So you're writing a hundred million dollar uh, uh, check. And it's written up in all the newspapers of what kind of an amazing person you are. But because of you, there's going to be all this research. And we're going to find the breakthrough and so on and so forth. But that's only from the knowledge that exists already in the universe, from the intelligence that's already here. So fine, it's great. But when you really, 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 really want to help the universe, put on film. Because when you're going to put on film, God himself is going to descend from his infinite height and fill the vessels of wisdom with his infinite energy and suddenly God's mind will explode with infinite new intelligence because God is infinitely beyond intelligence, but he's going to bring his infinity into intelligence. And that's literally what Tzvillin is. That's what it means God puts on Tzvillin. Tzvillin is the brains. God is entering. God enters into the brain. Other than that, he's beyond it. Now he, he enters into the brain, which means he fills the brain with energy. And when the brain is filled with energy, all this new incredible intelligence moves into the, into the world. And obviously, researchers and people down here will be able to discover all kinds of new things, which there was totally outside of people's reach or outside of anybody's uh, because it didn't exist. And the, the concepts didn't exist. The ideas didn't exist. But now it's all here. So as much as you think you can give as a philanthropist, as a philanthropist and give money for research, you're doing minimal. You're doing hardly anything compared to this one person putting on tefillin one time. That's a nice pitch for tefillin. All the people that want to, I think this is amazing. That's true. The Ebershter puts on tefillin, and the Ebershter guards himself in tzitzis, umispalel, and he davits. The sages say three things. God wears tefillin. God wraps himself in tzitzis, and God prays. But when does God do all those things? When we do them. That's what prompts him to do them. But be the Indian, and the explanation of the matter is as follows. 
The, what is the idea that God puts does the mitzvahs? Why is he doing that? It is known that there's no comparison at all between the world of Atsilus, which is the world of emanation, if you compare it to the essence of the infinite one, blessed is he. That means this entire range of divinity, of the divine attributes, with all how power, they're nothing compared to him. That means that all these, all these, all these ideas, all these characteristic love of they speak about God's compassion, his emotions, his 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 his, his might, his power, his, all these forces are definable forces. If you can define them, they're infinitely removed from the supreme infinite definitionless being, who's infinitely beyond that. Compared to God, they're nothing. And before him, there is they, they're so nothing, they're meaningless. It's as if they don't exist. That's how meaningless. And that, this is all coming to explain how, why we need him to invest himself in it. Because in it of itself is meaningless. And, and also we need to engage him to invest himself because why would he engage in it? It's so meaningless. But obviously when he engages and invests himself in it, now they become significant because they have an investment of an infinite being and this expands them and empowers them with infinite power and then obviously that enrichment to the world is is unmeasurable and to show in order to illustrate how nothing they are on their own how meaningless they are this whole the attributes, the whole world of Atsilos, which is all, which 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 is the, this whole system, this whole divine system. Umakura, in order to show them, is showing you that the, the very source from where the light begins to trickle down to them is just a minimal, tiny little trickle. Umakura the very source of light that's drawn to this entire um 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 the entire system of attributes is only from one tiny little thread. Remember, we, we spoke about this many times that before initially there was only before this whole process begins, there's the in, only the infinite and there's no room even for a possibility for anything to be. And then Hashem contracts and hides the infinite by, by, a lot, by bringing about this Empty, empty, vacant space by pulling the infinite back into the, the light back into its source. So then it becomes a black hole, which is the space for all of that exists, all, all of existence. And then into that space, he reintroduces the light, but only a tiny little thread, a little, little, little line. So that itself is showing you the fact that everything that's going to be everything this is still as we're going to see in a moment this level of the thread even though it's only a thread compared to the infinite the original infinite life this is still considered the thread is considered infinite sheba infinite <laughs> before we get to the world of atzilut of the world of emanation which is already a a, a close source to the creation it's still a long way to go but even this is already showing that what if all that is, is just one little crumb, literally a crumb of his infinity is that little thread. So that's how meaningless the whole, just the whole thing is.
It's a rock, it's only a little tiny ray, a little line. And other means also, it's only a ray of him, which means it doesn't have anything of his true substance. Like a, a ray of light doesn't, the sun gives off rays, the sun doesn't, doesn't diffuse itself through those rays. The sun is not dissolving through the rays because every bit of its ray is taking a little bit of its essence. The essence of the sun is not going out in its rays. It's only a shine. It's only a brightness that comes from, from the sun. So whatever is emanated outward doesn't, doesn't in any way take away even one, doesn't rub or doesn't decrease one cell, so to speak, in God. And, and, and then after after already there is that thread, that one, that initial thread, after that it's followed by a series of immense and multiple, multiple contractions. Until the light can finally descend into the range, what we call the supernal man. The attributes of Atzilus, for Hashem to emanate into the into the channel, into the level of wisdom, said and into kindness, for God to come down and be and, and manifest as a kind being with a discernible kindness or chachma. That's after many contractions. And where is that whole energy coming from? What's its source? That one little thread. For who anikra, and it's so. It's so minimal. The 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 these latter tzimtzum, he's not even talking about the first thread. After that thread, the light is still too immense. It has to go through many powerful contractions. And those contractions are sometimes so to such a degree that it's considered just like a hair. Cyrus, that that the Chachman, the Chesed, the the entire attribute of divine of wisdom, we're talking about God's wisdom. Compared to the energy that precedes the wisdom, where is wisdom receiving its energy from higher from just one little hair? And the, the example we're using here is like we spoke so many times. How much of you is flowing in your hair? One of your hair, nothing. So much so that your hair can fall out when you're sleeping or when you're taking a shower or and you don't even know that it fell off and you're not missing anything because you lost it. But there is a little bit of you flowing in your hair because a hair is a tube. And it's, the hair has life because it's growing, but it's so tiny, it's so minuscule, it's totally insignificant. And that's how, so we're talking about a thread, and from the thread, you still need a hair from the thread. That's how nothing, so, so why was, it's really nothing. Abba, as it says in Kabbalah, Abba, that the element called father, which is the peak of the cosmos. It's the peak of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the spiritual worlds, not even the spiritual worlds, of the divine world, which the highest attribute is Chachma, which is called Father. And, and what does it say? Abba Chachma, the Zohar says, Yoinik is nursing. Yoinik, it's nursing. It's getting its energy. Memazla, from the level called Mazla, which Mazla is, is one here. It's one hair extending from Keter. One hair of the beard. Because the idea of a hair, which is indicating a flow of energy in a manner that it has completely become, meaning it's, 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 it's nothing of what was before. It's, 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 it's completely like a new entity. 
It's not even one crumb of what was before. That's the idea of leaping. That's why we say about Chachma that it's as if it, as if it may ayin, as if it, as if it, 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 it doesn't exist in its source. It's so, it's such a new, meaning it, 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 it's nothing compared to its source. Okay, so, okay, now, so when God created this whole system, he really, 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 really contracted. That we understand. We agree. He really contracted. But here's the thing. That contraction is a system. He put it into place. And, and that system is, as I mentioned at the beginning of the class, he's committed to it. And he promised Noah that he's never going to undo it. So it's a system. It's there. And initially, what prompted him to do it? He's, it was it was a self self motivation. He self motivated himself into that. But in order for him now to engage, and not to keep it going, but to infuse, to channel more of himself into it, and deeper than that, he himself, not just a little ray of him, but his entire himself should compress himself into it. That he should come now. He can because he's because he's omnipotent, he can squeeze himself into this tiny little here, his entire being. <laughs> That's why we say he wants a home in this world. He wants to squeeze himself, compress himself, and come down with his entirety into this, into this little hair, into this little, not even the hair, into the system that's 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 nursing from the hair, in, into this nothing of a world. But in order for him to do that, that's what we do, mitzvahs. The mitzvahs, oh, wait. So the mitzvahs are, is his, this, every time God is doing a mitzvah, means the infinite one is descending into these sefirot, into these actions. Not in a way like it was in the, in the onset of creation, where he's a projecting only a hair of a hair of a hair of himself until it goes down. No, he is compressing himself. He, is, he himself is descending through these channels into into the into the world, obviously into the building blocks of creation and through these building blocks into the world, which means into the spherot. So in order for them for this to be this vast descent and this vast diminishment of his infinite being, that's called God is doing a mitzvah. Because Hashem is now descending into into this and that's why we said earlier it's called the pathways what's a pathway it's a way in which you travel you, you are in one place to go somewhere else you go through the road to bring god down into the world it's through the mitzvah and over here that god is the one who does the mitzvahs i know what does that mean when we say that god puts on tefillin this is the flow this is through the mitzvah of tefillin. When God puts on tefillin, means his energy, he himself, from his, from his infinite heights, is enclothing himself in wisdom. So in that case, the tefillin, what, what's our physical tefillin? Our tefillin that we wear is boxes, but they're with four compartments. Which we spoke last week about is that's the brain. Represents the mind, the brain. Now, what God putting on tefillin means that God is entering the brain, the cosmic brain. Or entering the cosmic brain, for him, is a tremendous descent. 
So by him putting on tefillah means he lowers himself down and humbles himself down into the cosmic brain. Well, tefillin, and that's why, and that's why what's tefillin? The word tefillin comes from the word to attach. Tofel means to attach two things. It's the attachment of the infinite to the universe. Tefillin motion is kashros. Tefillin means bonding. It's chabros and attachment. So when we put on tefillin, we are attaching from below upward. We are lifting our brains up to attach to the divine mind. We're lifting ourselves up to attach to God. So for us, it's an attachment upward. For God, when he puts on tefillin, it's an attachment downward. He is lowering himself down. As we climb the ladder up through our mitzvahs, God is climbing, descending the ladder as a result of his mitzvahs. And we meet in the middle. And that is the reason why. What is it? In our tefillin, what does it say? Since our tefillin is us attaching to God's mind, so in our tefillin it says about God's unity. Our tefillin speaks about God's greatness and God's oneness. Because we are through our tefillin attaching ourselves upward to God. In God's tefillin, it speaks about the Jewish people's uniqueness. Because what's whole point? Why is he coming down? What is he interested? He in, he's interested in his beloved. He's interested in a relationship. He's interested in his marriage with us. It takes place down here. And that's why, what does it say in God's tefillin? Who is like your nation Israel? A nation of oneness on the earth. Or it says, who's a great nation like the Jewish people? And the Pasuk says, who's a great nation? That has God close to him. That's the whole point. Through tefillin, God is coming close to us. But hold it. Didn't we say that that tefillin is all about God entering the, the super brain, the cosmic brain? So what does it have to do with the Jewish people? It, what should be inside the tefillin? Inside the tefillin should be the wiring of the divine mind. And God's energy is like, it's like, it's like the electricity flowing into a computer. The tefillin itself is the brain, is the moichen, and the energy that flows in it to make it work, that's the power, that's the, that's the orin self. So the tefillin should just be information, knowledge. No, what's there? The Jewish people. Who is like Israel? He explains. Because the, God needs to be smart. He's infinitely beyond smartness. He's an entity that's, that, 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 that intelligence is for him like a creation. He doesn't need it. Why does he go into intelligence? Into the because the whole and the reason why he flows wisdom into the world is so that we, the Jewish people, can know him and then bring that knowledge to the rest of the world as well. So it's for the sake of the souls of Israel, for, so that they can have a chachma, they can have wisdom, that we can connect to him through chachma. That's why in the tefillin it says, who is like the Jewish people? It's his attachment to, to the world because of us. Like will be stated further. That's his tefillin. Now let's see what is his tzedakah. It says God gives tzedakah. God gives charity. And once God tzedakah, in, in his tzedakah, what is, when we're doing tzedakah, what are we doing? We're doing kindness. We're, he, we're feeding the poor. So when God is filling, not his brains, but when God is filling his attribute of kindness, 
with vitality, with infinite light, not just with infinite light, but with himself, when he is descending from his infinite heights into his attribute of kindness, that it shouldn't just be a divine attribute, it should be him being kind. We're soon going to see how he's going to explain that. The attributes are attributes. It can be a divine attribute, and it functions. It's nice. It's a divine attribute of kindness. But is it just a divine attribute of kindness, or is God himself being kind? Is he there fully invested and engaged? That's the idea that God gives tzedakah, is that he lowers himself, his very self down, into the attribute of kindness. And when the divine attribute of kindness is filled with God himself, we can understand that that kindness is now enriched in boundless, it's, it's, it's immeasurable, the enrichment of it and the amount of goodness and kindness that flows to the universe in every aspect of existence. So when we, and, and what causes God to give tzedakah? When we give tzedakah. So when we give tzedakah, God simultaneously gives tzedakah and making, investing himself into kindness. So that the world can be built with kindness and sustained and then now, now the Alter Rebbe, this idea that there is, that these, that these systems exist before we do the mitzvahs. But when we do the mitzvahs, we cause, we cause an added, an added infusion into all these things. We'll, we'll see that the same thing exists by us. Simply in our observance of mitzvahs. The mitzvahs exist before we do anything with them. For example, most of us have a menorah that sits in a china closet all, all year long. The menorah is a menorah, whether we're lighting the menorah or not, the menorah is a menorah. And it's a Jewish artifact. It's a Jewish uh, you know, symbol. And it's always special. You can go into someone's house on the, in, in, in April, May and see a menorah and say, oh, nice. But it's a whole different story on Hanukkah. Because Hanukkah, not only is there a menorah, not only is the menorah lit on Hanukkah, but there is the act of lighting the menorah. And only when you act, when you see the menorah in the in the china closet, you can't, or uh, you can't, or on the shelf, you can't say a blessing. Blessed are you, God, on the menorah. But when you're actually doing the mitzvah of kindling the menorah, of lighting the menorah, that's when you say. That's when you're saying the blessing. What is a blessing? A blessing is turning on the download. That's when you hit download. You're downloading the infinite. That's when you're saying the blessing. Baruch so, so what do you see? And, and just like it is with the menorah, he says the same as with tefillin. Tefillin exists in, 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 in tefillin even more than a menorah because a menorah is not considered holy. It's special, but it's not holy. Um, you shouldn't throw a menorah in a garbage. You should treat it. If you, even if you have to discard it, you should act more respect because it's called a chayfet shal mitzvah. It's an object that a mitzvah was done with, but it's not a chayfet shal kedusha. It's not a, a a a entity of holiness. It's, there's different halachic criteria. But tefillin, for instance, being that it has scrolls in it that have God's names written in it, and so on and so forth, has a special sanctity. It's called an, a holy object, and it's holy even while the tefillin is sitting right over there on the truck. It's holy. But it's a whole different story when a Jew puts on the tefillin. That's when you make the brach. So the same is also God's tefillin also exists. But it's possible that he's not wearing them. It's the tefillin that there is in Atzilus. That's the brains of Atzilus. It's the tefillin. It's there. There is the chesed there. There's, 
There is the tzedakah about all these things exist as entities, but there's a whole different story when we're doing the mitzvah, and that's causing that Hashem Himself puts on the tzvim. And it's a whole different, it's a whole, it's, it's, you can't compare. That's the idea. There's two elements to it. One is the mitzvah on its own. Before a man does it, like the tefillin itself, or the tzitzis, the fringes. When the person does the mitzvah, and he fulfills it. He dons the tefillin. And he wraps himself in tzitzis. This is the primary and the, and, the, and, the, and the completion of the deed of a mitzvah. Then it's really a mitzvah. Because without putting on the tefillin on the head and on the hand, even though it's kosher tefillin, the four, the four portions, the four holy, holy scrolls are written there. The Yesh Behem Kedusha, and they have holiness. Im Kolzeh, nevertheless, Ein Bezeh Adai in Gili Elyon. God's will is not revealed and manifest. That's why you can't say the bracha. That moment, God's will is not actualized. God didn't say, I want you to have tefillin. God says, I want you to put on tefillin. So part of the mitzvah is that we put it on, not just to have it. Actually, a person, until a person puts them on, until a person puts them on, on his head and on his arm. The same is also above. There is God's tefillin without him putting it on. What is that? That's the, 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 the brains of the cosmos, the four mochen that there are in the divine structure. In the world of Atsilus, Hashem, when he created the world and he emanated the world of Atsilus, he emanated a mind, so to speak, God's mind, where there is the attribute of Chachma and Bino, which are two, and Das, which is the third, and Das divides into two, like we spoke last week in the other mind. Chachma, Bino, Das, which the Das, Amaschalak, the Chesed, Gevura, which Das divides into Chesed and Gevura. Zeo, it splits into Chesed and Gevura. That's one love. But the main thing is when Hashem Himself puts on the tefillin, when the or in sof, when the infinite one blessed is He, enclothes Himself into chachma. And this is the really the completion of His mitzvah, which isn't the case of the four mochen on their own. They have no comparison. And always a minute before God puts on the mochen, the mochen before God vests himself in it is considered literally empty and hollow and nothing compared to when the infinite one blessed is he vests himself and enters into those brains. And just like below, mitzvah, the mitzvah is when we put on the tefillin. And here's the amazing thing. Why when we put on the tefillin does God put on the tefillin? That's how, that just shows you how special the we are. Because the tefillin, these are all the holy stuff. But who are we? We are the representative of the infinite himself. Higher than all the we's. Therefore, when we get into our tefillin, God gets into his tefillin. We're the only ones who can lead his very being, the infinite, into the tefillin. The tefillin, these are all the holy artifacts. Divine, they're incredible. They're God's clothing. But not God himself. 
and God has to invest himself in them. But now he's asking a simple question. By us, we understand how the tefillin can exist without us putting it up. Because we are not the creators of the tefillin. We're not the makers of the tefillin. We buy the tefillin. And even the sofer, the scribe who writes the tefillin, he writes means he puts the ink on the parchment, he designs it, but he doesn't create, he didn't create the parchment. And even if he made the parchment, he didn't create the animal from where the parchment comes from, the height of the animal. Which means these are realities that exist outside of him. We're taking materials that already pre-exist us, or if they pre-exist, they exist outside of us, independent of us. And then we fashion them to, into a certain mitzvah object. And then we go and we put them on. We do the mitzvah with the object. So the object exists. The shofar exists even when we're not blowing it because we're not the source of it. But when it comes to God, if we're going to say that what? That not if we're going to, we're saying that what? That the mitzvahs as they apply to God are the entire divine structure, which, they, which, which, which only exists because God emanates them. So what does it mean we say that it's possible that he's not wearing it? If he's not wearing it, means he pulls out of it. He, so then it don't exist anymore because he is the very substance of everything. So when he is not invested in the, the divine brain, there is no brain. It's not an example by, by us. The tefillin is an entity without us. A, a child can inherit his father's tefillin. The father passed away. The tefillin are still here. So much so that the person doesn't have to be in the world anymore and his tefillin can still continue existing. But by God, if he, God forbid, absolute, then nothing exists. And definitely not his attributes, which, which are nothing more than his attributes. That's his question. How can we say it in the, in the by Nimshal, when we're applying it to Hashem? By the marshal, when we are talking in the metaphor of the tefillin, they have an existence outside of the person. And therefore, even before the person ever wears the tefillin, the tefillin could be in the store before you bought it. It exists even before you ever knew about them. They have existence. Not only that, it can be, a, it can be an entity of holiness. Not only can it exist, it's already an entity of holiness because the moment the sofer wrote the tefillin and put it together, it becomes tefillin. It's already holy. It's not dependent on you to make it holy. When you're doing it, you're adding holiness. That, 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 that we understand. But we understand that when you step out of it, it's still holy. It's not as holy as when you're doing the mitzvah because that's when you're fulfilling God's will. So that's when there's added holiness in it. But that only applies by us where the holiness of the object is independent of us. But by above, if we're saying that what does it mean, Tfilin? Is Hashem's Hashem is attaching himself down to lower himself down into, into attributes. So if God pulls out of the attributes, there's no attributes. By you it says, from you comes everything. This the entire coming into existence of wisdom, whom is only from Hashem. He's the one who knows. And he is the mind itself. Like the Ramam said. He is the mind. So he is the brain. If so, if he pulls out of the brain, there is no brain. How can you have above tefillin before God is putting them on? It doesn't exist. 
Avalinian, the answer is the The answer will be understood based on what it says in the teaching of Elio. There's a passage of Elio, Kabbalistic passage, which we say sometimes by davening. We say it Friday night. Some people say it every morning before davening. It's a passage of the Zohar that Elio and Navi taught. And over there it says, It says over there, when you depart from them, when you depart from the Sphero, there is talking about the, the, the attributes above. It says, when you, God, depart from them, they all will remain like bodies without a soul. You're the life of all the attributes. So the altar says, I ask the same question. If God departs from them, there's no body without a soul. There's nothing. By us, if the soul departs from the body, the body doesn't disappear. Because your soul doesn't create your body. Your parents, your mother and your father created your body. So your body was not created. Our bodies are not created by our soul. So when our soul comes, our soul vivifies, animates, energizes. God forbid a person dies. The soul leaves. The body is still there until the body disintegrates. But when by Hashem, the bodies, which we say, the attributes which are called his body, and, and then he invests himself, he creates that body from his very energy. So if he pulls out of it, it's nothing. It doesn't exist anymore. The Kasha Kanali, we have the same question. Why do we refer to them even as a body when they're not even a body? It's the same question we were asking earlier. How can the tefillin exist? If the tefillin is the body, tefillin is the moichan, how can it exist without it? We can understand by a human being the body has an entity on an existence on its own. The, the, the body, the body's existence is not from the soul. But rather, what creates the body is the, the drop coming from the, the seminal drop of the father, later developed by the mother. Is this is what the body is? So it has an independent existence before the soul ever animates. But, but when it comes to God's body, we turn over the page, page 70 over here in Torah, or from you is everything. The imkain, and if so, when you leave, how does it have any existence? The answer is, when we say when you go away, it doesn't mean that God completely pulls out. Doesn't mean that he completely pulls all energy out. Yeah, that's true. If he would pull himself completely out of Atsilos, Atsilos would, would 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 disappear. And so much would it disappear, it would disappear like the Alta Rebbe says, as if it never ever existed. It wouldn't even have a history. That's how much it would be undone. So that's if he would pull out completely. But when we say when you move out of it, does the Elio and Navi doesn't mean God will completely depart. It means when he loses interest in it. So that then then if, if he's not engaged then they continue being because he still has a commitment to it. He's still invested, but vested like a person that's sleeping. It's, it's a very, very minor investment. It's like when a person sleeps. An example is actually given. When a person is asleep, what happens? The soul disengages from the body because the soul goes to recharge. But the soul doesn't disengage completely from the body because then the person would die at night. But the, there is a minimal, there's a minimal engagement and minimal involvement of the soul of the body. The soul keeps the body running by a very external kind of energy in the brain. 
the inner the inner power of the brain is in a state of um, relaxing, a state of recharging. Only the very external part of the brain, of the ma of the energy of int of intelligence, is is present in the brain, and that's why night sleep dream time is a time of silliness. The most ridiculous, insane, stupid things happen in our dreams because we don't have the we don't have the clarity of thinking of the mind because the mind is hardly it's almost like the intelligence is hovering over the brain a little bit of it is still there so it's creating these fantasies and these silly 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 things happen a clear mind which means a full investment of a person's intelligence in their brain wouldn't allow these these things wouldn't you wouldn't, wouldn't even entertain them but in a dream the most laughable things happen the most ludicrous things happen so the same is, is when we say that God departs from the attributes means that he's not really pumping himself into it. He's like, oh. so he's, he's still there, but in a very weak, a very weak presence. And as a result, and that's possible that the entire scheme of divine attributes should be, should be, have only a minimal state, state of, and that's the time of exile that's been going on for the last 2,000 years to a certain degree compared to the time of the base of age. And when that happens, silly things happen, and that's what happens in, in exile. Silly things happen, which means when we look at the world, it looks like total madness. People that shouldn't be in charge, people that should be in jail, locked up away, locked away with keys thrown away, <laughs> are powerful, or think they're the mover and shakers of the world, make decisions for millions of people based on their own egotistical whatever they have. How is it possible that in God's world these things can happen? Because when he's not so involved and not so engaged, he's removed, then he's uh, you know, dreary, so to speak. So the whole operation is kind of mishandled. So we want God to wake up. That's one of the things we say to him, wake up, God, wake up. How can you sleep? 2,000 years sleeping already. Come on, you refreshed yourself enough already. Time to really engage. It's been it's been a long sleep, um, as he says. So when it says the it doesn't mean a complete departure. It means that the expansive mochen, the great expansion of his mind, is is is, is departs. Venisha mochen de and what's left over is a minimal mochen. It's called it's called narrow narrow intelligence. Like a person when he's asleep. I, 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 if you if you look at this, this connects to this week's parsha, because parsha's mikates uh, is all about dreams. Paro is dreaming, and last week's the Torah portion is again about dreams. The conclusion of last week's Torah portion is about the two ministers of Pharaoh had a dream, and earlier than that, Yosef is dreaming. And just two weeks before that, the, the dreams all start with Yaakov when he is going to Lavan's house. He's also dreaming. The dreams all start when Yaakov goes to Lavan, and then when Yosef is Yosef comes onto the scene. And then it's consecutive dreams. Why dreams? And the answer is because all of that is representing the time of exile. Yaakov going down to Lavan is, is the source of exile. Yosef leading the Jewish people into exile. And the entire state of existence of exile is a dream. Because if God would be fully awake, so to speak, if the cosmos would be fully alert, this couldn't happen. It's because there is a, now we understand something, that the reason you go to sleep in your dream is actually healthy, so that you can recharge and then come back and have a real productive. Mashiach is going to be the real productive day that God has been sleeping for the last 2,000 years in order to really be engaged. 
So for us that think that life is pretty good now, it's nice, Torah, good. Yeah. Like even the day didn't hasn't even started yet. We haven't even started. The wakeful moments haven't even started. The transmissions till now are just a dream state. That's the idea. And in addition to that, number one, God keeps it, as I mentioned earlier, God keeps it on autopilot. There is a little bit of a, a an energy still investment. But in addition to that, even though the 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 the, the, the it's not unlike tefillin that we said earlier that the tefillin we don't we don't we don't make the tefillin from ex nilo we don't create the tefillin from nothing we have already a pure tefillin but by God we said He creates the vessels you know we know that in in the attributes to have containers vessels and energy so he 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 he's responsible for the very existence of these containers as well so if he pulls out there shouldn't be a container at all. So he's explaining there's another idea that since there's lights and vessels, the vessels have their own source in God, other than the soul that God vests in those vessels, the energy, the order that goes in the vessel. So when it says when he pulls out, he's pulling out the light, but he doesn't, he's not destroying the vessel because the vessel has its own energy, not dependent on just like we, our body does have its own existence without our soul. So too, yes, it's true that even in the divine, the vessels of Atsilus have their own source other than the energy that goes into them, that flows into them. It's also God, but it's a different channel, the channel of the vessels. And therefore, it's possible that the or should go out. Number one, even when the or goes out, it doesn't completely depart. It's only, it's only dramatically or drastically diminished. Secondly, the vessels themselves have their own liquid, as he says. And also the vessels that are called the body, they have their own shorish in the orient. From a level called which I didn't have enough time to actually, and this didn't ring a bell. I mean, the concept of mati mati, I know, but how this is the source of the vessels, I, I don't have any explanation right now. But there's a that that maybe it has to do with the Rishimu, which is a tr whatever. It's a, a idea which explains mystically uh, the the root and the source of the vessels. Once you have vessels which have their own source, then the energy comes down into those vessels, which is higher than the source than the source of this source of the vessels itself. In other words, the vessels have its own source which can keep the vessels in, in existence even when the lights are not there. So then why do you need the lights? The answer is the light is a much greater and higher infusion that is coming from a higher place and therefore is bringing, enriching the vessels with a much higher illumination and much more intense energy. And then he dresses itself in it like the soul going into a body, which we can all understand that a body without a soul, even though it exists, it's 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 very very insignificant and very poor compared to a a, a, a body that is that has a living soul inside of it. The yesh and even when the soul is in the body, even when we and the same would apply above, even when God's investment into the vessels, even in that, there's two levels. There is a minimal investment and there is an expansive. Just like in a child, just like we, we have sleeping person and awake person. Or even in a human being, you have when you're a child and therefore everything is very narrow. All your powers are very minimal because you haven't developed it yet. And then there is the person exercises and develops himself 
and to the point that they have, have an expansion of their vessels and they can receive much more of the soul's vitality and energy and powers of the soul can manifest in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an adult over a little child. So you see these gradations of how much of the soul can be released in the body. So the same as above, how much of God is inf infinity is really flowing in these vessels. Al came therefore gambis de godless, even when the moichin de godless, even when the expansive moichin departs from the vessels, ishtaru akalim, the kalim still remain, kikufa like a body. Shade yeshlem shoidish bifneyatsman, because they have a root on their own. But this has no comparison to, to the level when the light and the expansive moichin are shining in them, are illuminating. That's why they're called a body without a soul. So now we'll go back to the tefillin. We said earlier that there is a possibility for his tefillin to be there without him being in the tefillin. And then there is the infinite enrichment when God himself puts on the tefillin. This is the idea, is that we bring Hashem himself down into the, into, into the, into the, into the moichin. There's an added light and bringing in far more brain power into the brain. And so much so, it's an interesting thing. We had the same line last week in the in the Azair. Last week we learned in the Azair that since you see the tefillin is on top of the head, it's a sign that it's really keter. It's not the brain, because the brain is inside the head. Last week we learned that tefillin bulges out. Here, he says a very interesting thing. Tefillin are both. Tefillin are the brain, but tefillin can, are also above. He said earlier that tefillin are the brain, the mind. But here's what happens. When is tefillin the brain? The brain itself, when you're not wearing them. When God puts on the tefillin, and the infinite light descends into the mochen, there's so much energy that it kind of overflows the vessels, and the vessels can't hold it anymore. And that expresses itself in the fact that the tefillin now pops out above the skull. It's like the brain expanding beyond the brain. That's what happens to the tefillin. It's amazing. When Physically, tefillin that's not that's that, that's wrapped up, is it? When is it expressing that it's on top of the head? That's when you put it on on top of the head. But spiritually, what that means when God Himself puts on the tefillin, till now there was moichin, there's divine energy. We said a little trickle of divine energy is always in the brain, but it's very little, little. And then it could be contained in the vessels, and then the brain is inside the skull, which means everything is packaged. But when God Himself enters the tefillin, the tefillin expands. The, the energy in the brain expands so much that it goes, it overflows beyond the vessel. It spills over. And that is expressed in the idea that suddenly the tefillin bolts out on top of this, not only on top of the brain, it bolts out on top of the skull. It's so immense, it's so infinite. And that represents the awesomeness of what just happens when you get the Abishta to put on tefillin. And that again is dependent when we put on tefillin. It goes above the head and above the vessel. Which isn't the case on the tefillin on their own. 
יש להם גם כן מציאות, בתפילין אבוב, there is holy divine תפילין as well, even without God wearing them, על דרך כגופה בלי נשמסה, it's like a body without a soul, sadly, it, it exists, but it's only a body, וכן בשעה כל המצווה יובן כן, and the same is with all מצווה, the מצווה exist on their own, certain patterns, certain divine, you know, ideas, but when Hashem puts them on, we get the Abish to himself, הקדוש ברוך הוא יושב ועסק בתיירה, for instance, We say God sits down and studies Torah. Like we're doing right now, we sit down and learn Torah. So God also sits down and learns Torah. Torah, you have to sit down. You sit down, you study. God sits down and he studies Torah. What does that mean? What does it mean Hashem is studying Torah? He's, he's, he's drawing down words. Torah is words. So from the infinite, from the boundless, is coming divine letters, holy emanations of, of letters. That's Torah. Torah is made up of letters. He's emanating these letters, these super and powerful letters into the universe to illuminate, to bring, to serve as communicators between divine and the world. It's drawing letters from his infinite, from his great name that is infinite and boundless. He's creating this flow, this energy flow of words, which words are communications. Or, what does it mean, God is davening? And God is davening. Which means God prays. What does that mean? So the Talmud actually says, what is prayer? It's like, when it says God prays, hey, what's his prayer? So the Talmud says, let it be the will. That my mercy should overpower my wrath, my anger. God is praying. He says, I'm getting angry a lot of times. A lot of things anger me, but I, and I don't like to get mad. So I am praying that my mercy overpowers my, my wrath. It's hard to understand that without the mystical explanation. You see, Where is their wrath? Where is their wrath? On the lower levels of the divine attribute, over there there is wrath. Because these divine attributes are much closer to the creation. And since they're much closer to the creation, right, creation matters. And the dark stuff in creation, the negative stuff, the sinfulness and so many things, it causes a lot of damage. And that impacts and causes wrath and anger. So it says that in the in the Zeir Anpin, especially in Malchus, Malchus is full of gavura, full of full of full of dinim, full of judgments. Um, even the Zeir Anpin, there could be gavura in because it's Zeir, because it's small. Erech Anpin in Keser, over there where, the, where Hashem is still infinitely above all everything, and not phased and not moved by anything, nothing. Over there, all there is is just a pure desire for love and light, for kindness and compassion. So what Hashem is, 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 is so here's the thing. In order to sweeten the judgments, in order to, to overpower when the wrath and is, is very intense in the system, you got to bring in light from beyond the system, from a more detached place where over there, there is just a boundless, infinite, endless compassion. And Hashem is praying that the rachamim from the erech anpin, which over there it's erech anpin, meaning 
is long to anger. There's no anger there. Quite on the contrary, it's infinite compassion should come down into the Zaire Anpin to overpower whenever there is a whenever there is a nervousness, whenever there is a whenever there is a tension, whenever there is a wrath, the Erech Anpin energy needs to come down to calm it. And that's the idea that God is praying. So according to that, he's not saying please help me. The prayer, the prayer is the downloading of this infinite compassion to the place that's upset, to smooth it out, to relax it. That's sheyich b'shu rachamiyas kasi, and that's his prayer. Sheyim shechu midoyz de erech ampin. The midoyz of erech ampin should draw down bizeir ampin. The small face of God over there, there's a lot of gavurais, a lot of judgments. So from the erech ampin should come down and sweeten the judgments in the zeir As we say, verav chesed. Over there, the chesed is not limited. It's abundant kinds. So what are you seeing from here? That all the mitzvahs that God does, who is, when we say God, we say HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who's HaKadosh Baruch Hu? According to this explanation we're learning now, who's HaKadosh Baruch Hu? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is referring to the infinite one blessed to see the Orain Sof. And he is doing a mitzvah, meaning the mitzvahs are the spherot and all this. And he is descending into these mitzvahs, each mitzvah in its own bringing its own its own blessing its own investment of god into some kind of a particular uh, energizing another another power in the universe another super divine power in the world but now he says usually that's not the purish of hakadosh baruch hakadosh baruch is usually a ready a name of god as god is within the sphere of the attribute so therefore he says, there's another Pirish when we say God puts on tefillin, or God prays, or God gives tzedakah. And then that Pirish HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, in, is on a much lower level. The level referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So let's understand something. According to the first Pirish, before we get to the second Pirish, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is higher than the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs are lower. The idea of HaKadosh Baruch Hu doing the mitzvah is he's channeling from his infinite private self, he's channeling it into the mitzvah. In, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is coming down into the tefillin. The tefillin is much lower than him. It's the attributes. He's descending into the tefillin. He is the, he's giving tzedakah. He's descending into the tzedakah box. He's descending into chesed. He's descending when he's putting on tefillin, when he's, when he's, when he's praying, it's not that he's praying upward, he's praying downward. He's channeling the light from his infinite compassion into the where there is a, where there is a cramping a little bit, and he has to massage that that muscle over there. He 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 channels this light down to relax it. It's all a down, it's all downloading according to that. From Akadish Baruch who is infinite. But he says there's another period that Akadish Baruch Hu putting on tefillin, the mitzvah is higher than Akadish Baruch. The, the tzedakah is higher, each one is higher than him. And he's doing that when he's praying, he's praying like regular prayer. He's praying to a higher source. Because according to that, Peter, which is usually a reference to the Ze'er to the six emotions. And they pray to a high, to the to Keter, to the infinite light, so that they should illuminate. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, according to Tefillin, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Ze'er the emotions. And the emotions themselves need the illumination of the intellect. 
So when God puts on tefillin, it means the divine emotions are now be illuminating by the divine in intelligence. So according to that, it's actually the tefillin is higher than Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's the tefillin is the moichen, is the chachman, the bina that's being drawn down to the level called Hakadosh Baruch. So which one is true? Now it's interesting if you remember last week when we learned the Zohar about God putting on tefillin in the middle of the Biyuraya Zohar. It was so fascinating. I told you, and I was saying this when we were learning it last week, I was saying that in the Zohar, you see that the Zohar refers to tefillin in the same passage as HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Midos, a lower level, and a minute later, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the infinite. And I, I pointed it out last week. I, I'm excited about it because last week I said it's like, in, I even pointed, I said it's interesting that the Zohar kind of like dancing over here in the two Pirushim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in this mimer that we're learning, and again, as randomly that there's any connection between them, he's actually going to say that both Pirushim are true. And sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu's it refers to this on that level, and it was so amazing to see it last week in the Zohar itself. I don't know, it's exciting me very much. This I, this is my most exciting point in the whole thing. <laughs> no, that you get to learn a Zohar last week, and it bothered me then, and then I said, and wow, it looks like this thing, and then next week, right over here, out of out of everything, it Mamish discusses the same thing, that there's two levels in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it can be, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Ze'er Ampen of and the tefillin is the moichen me'aba ve'ima from father and mother, which is higher. Hanim shachem loy that are drawn to it. The imkain hem l'maylum amenu. According to that, pierce the tefillin is higher than Hakadosh Baruch. V'asa shapel afizeh. Now, according to that interpretation, tefillin you can learn either way. Tefillin you can learn either that Hakadosh Baruch was lower than the tefillin, and the tefillin is an enhancement to him. Or you can learn HaKadosh Baruch Hu as higher and as the infinite, and he is descending into the moch, into the brains. So there's two ways of learning. But by prayer, it is pray, prayer, it, it, it's more likely to say, it fits better, he says. Since the definition of prayer is someone who's lacking, is praying for, for something that he needs, it fits better with the Pirush to say that God is davening that we're talking about when we say Akadush Baruch, we're talking about the level that's lower that's pulling from higher. That's what you pray. But if we're saying that Akadush Baruch is the infinite, and so what's the idea of praying? Praying is only that he's affecting what prayer does. He's 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 overpowering the the emotions with the with the with the with the infinite compassion from above. It, it, it's a little it's it's hard to see it in the words of prayer. That's what he's saying. It's better according to this interpretation. And the idea that the Ebishter is davening. That my mercy should overpower. That the Midos to Erech Anpin should be drawn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's asking. He's, he's pulling down. Now, he says, these two Pirushim, he says in the parentheses over here, these two explanations regarding HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Indian Kuchibirichu regarding Akadish Bar. Nizbar the Pirish Zoyar is explained elsewhere in the Pirish of Zoyar. He's not referring to the mimer we just spoke about last week, but a different mimer. The Indian Kuchibirichu Asalishtasha Beganid. It says in the Zohar that God that midnight comes to delight with the tzaddikim in Ganid. And over there, too, there's there's two interpretations in the Zohar what that means. If it's the Orin Sof or if it's the Ze'er Alp. And both interpretations are true. 
and in other words, even regarding mitzvahs, when we say Hakadosh Baruch Hu does the mitzvahs, you see that the two perushim are both true, because there is two levels in Hashem's mitzvahs. One level of Hashem's mitzvah is even in God, the mitzvahs are higher than Him, because we're talking about a level of the divine. We're not talking about God Himself. Then the mitzvahs are higher than Him, and then there is another level of mitzvahs where the where, the, where we're talking about Hashem Himself, and on that level, God is also doing mitzvahs. But over there, the mitzvahs are lower than him. And he is entering into the mitzvah, channeling, he's downloading into the mitzvah. So, and where do we see, where do we see that there's two levels of mitzvahs, even in God's doing mitzvahs? Because the mitzvahs are sometimes referred to as mitzvahs Hashem, mitzvahs Havaya, mitzvahs Yudke Vavke, mitzvahs Hashem. And sometimes the mitzvahs are called mitzvahisai, my mitzvahs. So, and Havaya is a name of God. Since it's a name, it's already referring to some level of a divine configuration, certain manifestation of God. But mitzvah isai, my mitzvahs, is referring to God's very self. So you see that sometimes in the Chumash itself, mitzvahs are referred to mitzvahs Hashem. You'll listen to mitzvah Hashem, to the mitzvahs of Hashem. So if you're not mystical, you're not at all into the, then mitzvahs Hashem, the mitzvahs that God gave you, not his mitzvahs. Mitzvah Sai, my commandment that I'm giving you. But, it, but once you start learning a little the, the deeper understanding, you understand that it's much it's, inf, it's so much richer than that. Mitzvah Savaya means the mitzvah that God Himself does. But on one level, it's mitzvah Savaya, the Yutke Vavke is doing it. Yutke Vavke is already already the name for the attributes. God as he is in a state of being in a, a already vested in the attributes. And he is doing the mitzvahs to pull down more light from higher than him. And then there is mitzvah saying, my mitzvah is referring to the infinite, and, and, and that's already without a name. And over there, the mitzvah means descending light. He's investing himself. There is the mitzvah of the matzil. Matzil means the emanator himself. Not atzilus, not netzal, not the emanations, but the emanator. Then there is the mitzvah of the zeirampin atzilus. And definitely in the Zeyran Pin, the mitzvahs are pulling from a place that's higher than them. The mitzvahs, as they are applied to the Ein Soif itself, the level that's called my mitzvahs. This is a hamshacha, this is a drawing forth from God Himself to the root of the vessels, which means, like we spoke earlier, to illuminate. The Dailah Hakimah is enough for the wise. And this is the reason why, why we understand why the mitzvahs are called, based on all of this, we understand why mitzvahs are called the roads of God, the pathways of God, the pathways of Hashem. They are like a road or a path. Which through them the Orin Sof is drawn. To dress himself and enclose himself in the world of Atsilus. And Atsilus is the first world. And once a, a godliness comes down to do Atsilus, that eventually will flow further into the world. And why is it called Orchis Havaya? Because every, every time God emanates, it's through these four letters, Yudke Vavke. So every mitzvah, every mitzvah is different, but it's all through Yudke Vavke. Now, the Alter Rebbe continues. 
Now, the main intention of the deeds of the mitzvahs down here by when we do the mitzvah. Now, what's the relationship of our mitzvahs to God's mitzvahs? So now he says, our main intentions when we do the mitzvah below, is that we cause the same thing to happen above. When we do a mitzvah, we should have intention that we want to activate God to do the mitzvah. Like we said earlier. And this is the idea which is that through our mitzvahs, we add more light into the world of emanation. We illuminate the emanations with boundless blessing and boundless light. However, that is only by the righteous. He's going to explain now that to us, mitzvahs have another function as well. Most ordinary people that have not yet reached a very high level, to us, there's another more down-to-earth purpose in mitzvahs. And that is through the mitzvah, we purify the good and bad inside of us. We're still dealing with klipa. We're still dealing with a lot of unholiness in us. And when we do the mitzvah, we separate the good and bad. We extract sparks. We reveal the, we push away the darkness. We elevate the good inside of us and so on and so forth. So the mitzvahs are a form of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, of a filtration process in which we filter ourselves, our consciousness, all aspects of our being. But he says, tzaddikim who have accomplished that already and they're fully, they're fully filtered, there's no more ran and they've expelled all darkness and they are pure, pure as pure can be. So their mitzvahs are just, a, it's just, it's just about channeling. And the main channeling is from beyond the cosmos into the spiritual cosmos. Add light and atzil. Because they have no more purification that is necessary. But the people that are less than tzaddikim who still have bad inside of them, including people that are on a very high level called Benoni, people who never sin, but they still have appetite to sin. They still have desire to sin. They still have a struggle. So the, their function of the mitzvahs is to cause a purification. This is by tzaddikim she'ein ra. There's no more evil. In their nefesh ruch neshama, in their parts of the soul invested in their body, there's no more bad inside of them. But the benoni, which is ordinary people, the, the average people, which, and and obviously lower than the Bainani. Their main intention in their mitzvahs needs to be in order to purify the good from the bad. The nefesh ruach neshama, their soul, the neshama, these refer to three elements, their behavior, their emotions, and their intelligence. To bring a, a purification, to bring a cleansing through the mitzvahs. And now, how do you know that? Because the sages say, mitzvahs, the mitzvahs weren't given only to purify the, the creations. So you see, there is a function of mitzvahs down here to set the world straight. So now he asks a question. So now we need to understand. It's the same, it's the same mitzvah. If it's the same mitzvah, how can it be two complete different? Points to it. It's like we know in 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 in, uh, in this world, you know, in any 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 phenomenon, any object, you know, there's a certain object, and 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 it's designed for a certain use. To to have two people use the same object for two complete, totally different things is very rare, you know. People use this for that. You use a car to travel. You use uh, a toothbrush to to clean your teeth. 
use a, a hairbrush to, to brush your hair. And you use glasses to see better, and you use a, a utility, use a pot to cook. I mean, technically, someone can take a pot and use it as a drum. But that, that's what he's asking really the question. How can you have one, one same, and we have mitzvahs, and it's not only one, it's like a whole, it's like a whole set of utilities, of, of, of utensils. And for tzaddikim, it's the exact same utensil. And tzaddikim are channeling lights into the cosmos, and we are cleansing our, our, ourselves with it. Like, 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 you know, take a vacuum cleaner and a broom and a whatever and clean yourself. Like, why do you have to channel and use these instruments to channel the infinite light into the cosmos to clean, you know? It doesn't make any sense. So that's what he's asking. The, the mitzvah is one for the tzaddikim and the benim. Why? He says such a beautiful line. The pair of tzvillin that Moshe Rabbeinu wore and Aaron wore, Hemdalut parashils, they have four, four, four uh, um, um, scrolls. Uh, the uh, the tefillin shalom of the exact same tefillin like we were mamish, and, and they they didn't have to clean cleanse themselves Moshe and Aaron. The Alter Rebbe doesn't want to say, but the Alter Rebbe himself didn't either have to wear tefillin to cleanse himself, and not neither did the Magid, and neither did the Balshemtiv, and neither did the Rebbe, and neither did the Tzadikim. They don't need this, but yet they're wearing the same tefillin that we were. And more than that, and what happens if, if they, for whatever reason, their tefillin is not within reach? They can borrow your tefillin and your tefillin that you use every day as a toothpick <laughs> to clean. And, and the, the tzaddik can take your tefillin and borrow it and use it for... So how can the same thing? How does it work? How can it be the intention be so different? And the answer is, it's almost a shame to take so holy objects to cleanse. But here's the thing, the type of cleaning we need to do is not humanly possible. In other words, to overpower the klipa and to really purge all the evil from within us and to cleanse us, it, it, it just by our own, you know, if we would just, if we would just be purifying ourselves with our own meditations and our own intentions, we would only reach very little. We have incredible divine assistance when we're doing it. How? Because as a result of the mitzvah, there's two levels. First of all, when we're doing the mitzvah, we're also adding lights and atzilas, in addition to purifying down here. But since we're, when we're putting on tefillin, we're putting on the same tefillin that the art tzaddikim in the world that they're putting on tefillin. And through their tefillin, there's nothing else but adding more light. When there is a powerful revelations of divine and added godliness in, in the supernal worlds, it trickles down into the lower world and it causes the intensification of the holy and the eradication of the evil, all the way down to our own struggles and our own Yitzhahara. So, and, and, and that's a type of an effect that you can never have if you were trying to just eradicate your Yitzhahara based on your own muscles, spiritual muscles. You need this, this cosmic assistance that is constantly happening. So that's why they're related, because it's through these spiritual mitzvahs that help in the purification down into our nitty-gritty struggles that we have. It's all one kavana. It's to add light. And when you add light in the spiritual world of Atzilus, the klippas are minimized, as we're going to see soon. Just like in the time of the difference, what did we say earlier? That when God is removed from the universe, exile, what did we say? The Babylonians are running the show. The Persians are running the show. The UN thinks it's in charge of the situation over here. This administration, that administration, these fakalipa techever think the, the Hamas thinks it has a say. Or others. Or whatever. It's all one, one intention. Oh, but 
when we add more light in the time of the base Amigdash, they're minimized, they're weakened, they're hardly, they're hardly, why? Because the, 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 the increased infusion of God diminishes the clip. Not only on global, in global affairs, but in every single person. So therefore, our mitzvahs are all part of that. As a result of the added light in Atsilus through the mitzvah of the tzaddikim, that gives power to the side of Kedusha to purify to each and every one of us, to purify the ra, the evil that's part of the klipa called Noga of the three lower worlds. When Atsilus becomes infused, Atsilus, there's no ra, there's no klipa there. When Atsilus, however, gets strengthened, then the then even in the lower worlds, there is a much greater empowerment, a holiness to shake the klipa off. Is that Indian? And this is the idea of Hamashpili Lidrois Pashamayam That what did we say in, in Halal? A lot of this mimer is a pirish on the Pasuk in Halal. It says, God is exalted over the nations. God is elevated above <clears throat> over the nations. What does that mean? The nations like to keep God elevated. They don't want him. They want him to be in his infinity. They don't want him to mess with our world. They want, they want, <laughs> they want this to be our space. You have your space, this is our space. Remember, there was a little while that there was a social before Facebook took off. There was this, this, this attempt, and it became very famous for a while. It's called MySpace. And that completely broke. Why? Because that's a lie. There's no MySpace. It's God's space. So they made an attempt at MySpace. It didn't work. So today it's like kind of hardly anybody uses it. It's not a major platform. Facebook is a whole different story. I'm, I'm not applauding Facebook because, because there's all, this, it's like one of the biggest clippers in the world. But then, but still, it's it's a hachana preparation for the face to be revealed, in. and that's the ultimate face, not hiding. Face is pininius. My space, that's already clipper. So that taka fell apart. Facebook took over. That's my title for tonight. And this is the idea of that as a result of our Torah mitzvahs, what happens? So the, I'm saying, oh, the nations like to keep God distant, but we say, who's like God? Our God. That's the Jewish people doing. It's our doings. What do we do? We cause, even though he is so high, he descends. We draw him down into the heaven and into the earth. What does that mean? We bring him in heaven as Atzilus, and earth is even lower, the three lower worlds. Or, in Atzilus itself, the six divine emotions are called heaven because Shamayim is put together of Esh and Mayim, fire and water, which are the emotions of Gevura is Esh and Mayim is Chesed. So Shamayim is the Zeiranpin is called Shamayim. And Oretz is Malchus. So Hamashpi, we bring God into the divine attributes. And then there's miracle. Then we can sing Howl. Then there's all kinds of good things happening in this world. Then it's Betzeis Yisrael and Mitzrayim, Beis Yaakov Me'am Loya, Zayom Rav Ayom. Then it's Kaval. Then it's party time for kedusha for holiness. But that's the first pirush in Bashamayim Ba'aretz, because he's. We're soon going to see that in the earlier Maimer he gave two interpretations in Hamashpili Midos. Let me say quickly the two interpretations. The first interpretation is the interpretation that he's going with now, 
that we cause God to descend. Where where does He reveal Himself into? in heaven and earth, and through Shamayim He comes all the way down into Aretz. Is what we're adding now, and there's divine presence and God and divine visibility in the earth. The other pirush is which we're going to see soon. that what causes God to come down? Shamayim and Oretz, which is, refers to a certain specific kind of avoda, a certain kind of divine service, is what stim- which is called Shamayim and Oretz. That's what attracts God to come down. Hamashpili Lidois, what causes the Abirter to descend, is the avoda of Shamayim and Oretz. So either the Bashamayim of Oretz is the place where he is descending to, he's descending into heaven and earth, or through what, what causes him to descend? Bashamayim uba aret. Shamayim and aret cause the descent, as we're soon going to see. Vezeh in yin amashpili lidois bashamayim uba aret kepidish arishan, like the first pirish. Even though he didn't mention it in the mimer up till now, the reason why he, he, he makes reference to this is because remember, I, I told you that this mimer is an explanation on the mimer we learned a few years ago. So over there he gave two pirushim and bashamayim uba aret. Shanishpal, what does that mean? That as a result of our Torah mitzvahs, as a result of our engagement, Shanishpal, he lowers himself down, Lihislabesh, to become enclosed, into heaven, and into earth. Shahin, what is heaven and earth? Shahin Za'ir Ampin, which heaven is the Za'ir Ampin. The Nukva and female, that's male and female of Atsilos. Aretz is the Nukva. Kihine, yeah. because naturally on his own, Ramal Kogoyim. Naturally, God is removed. He's exalted because he's infinitely beyond it. He naturally is in a state that he is that he is in a state of estalkos. Estalkos means in a state a state of departure, removal from them. Mahakelim the spheres. He's way above the vessels, the containers of the ten spheres. That's the idea of God being asleep. It's where the mochen, the, the, the illuminations of the intelligence, are not vested in the brain, but rather it's, the, it, it's like when a person is asleep, when the brain power is pulled back in, it's pulled back up into the essence of the soul, yes, to recharge, but in as much as the body is concerned, the body is left in darkness without the illumination of the mind because the mind went to sleep. And even though when you're asleep, there is some brain activity, and what he says is, there's still certain words that are happening. There's still certain, you know, thoughts, you know, stories are happening. Images are going through your mind. There's still some, something's going on. It's not brain dead, chas v'shalom. Through fe- there's still words, hamachshava of thought, in, 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 in the dream. And that has to do with some level of intelligence that you can even put together words to create this, this storyline that's taking brain in the brain. But as he says, it's only the most external element of the intelligence. That's why it's only thought without any inner, any wisdom. It's just fantasy. It's just imaginations. And generally, the most foolish imagination. Which is not the case when a person wakes up from their sleep. Sleep. So then the deeper intelligence illuminates the thought, and the thought is cohesive, the thought is, 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 is logical and rational and makes sense because it's illuminated with your inner being. 
In the same way, as a result of our Torah and mitzvahs, we cause the wakefulness. We keep God awake and drawn into the world. But that, if say Yuvan Animshul, similar to that, will understand the the this this idea above also. When the light and the mochin, the godless, and the expansive mochin that is vested or enclosed in the ten spheres, when they pull out, when they depart, God forbid, to the essence of Lord, which which says in Golos is a time when is talik That's what it says in the Zohar. The, the, the time of Golos is when Hakadosh Baruch Hu is talik retracts upward. Then the revelation below is in a very sleep-like, sleep-like state. It's like in a sleep. And through this, what did we say? Silly things happen in sleep. This causes that also the dark forces in the world. Those who served idols, the 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 pagan pagans were in control. Mitzrayim, the Egyptians, Ubavel, and the Babylonians. But when the or the light and the moichim, the godless and the expansive moichim vests itself into the ten spheroids, in other words, when God goes ahead and puts on tefillin, and that's the meaning of hamashpili, that he lowers himself down, to become enclosed into the heaven and earth. In a sense, you can say, when you put on the tefillin shel rosh, you're drawing God into the heaven, and when you're putting on the tefillin shel yad, you're drawing God down into the earth. It's hamashpili, you're drawing him down. On this it says, on this it says, we, we pray. When, when a Jew did completed doing the mitzvahs, it's actually, this is a prayer that is said at the end of a mitzvah. Not at the end of one mitzvah, at the end of a long period of observance of an entire cluster of mitzvahs. What's that? The end of the tithing that comes after every three years. A Jew would stand in front of God and make a confession on the tithing. Spoke about We gave a, a Monday class this year about it a couple of months, weeks, months ago. And at the end of that, it's called, you make the confession of the tithing. It's not really a confession. It's it's actually a declaration that you did all the mitzvahs appropriately. And as a result of that, the person would pray. A prayer would say, Ashkifa, look down from your heavenly abode, from heaven, and bless the Jewish people. So the question is, what do we have to tell God from where to look down from? Ashkifa, look down and bless the Jewish people. We don't know that his holy abode is in heaven. Why are we emphasizing? Look down from your holy abode from heaven. But the answer is no. Because when God is looking from above heaven, heaven over here is not high. Heaven over here is the lower point. We want him to come down to heaven and look from heaven, not to stay above heaven. Because when he's looking from above heaven, then everything is meaningless. And then there's no that then there's no preference necessarily to the Jewish people because the whole the whole the whole project is absolutely zero. It's meaningless. And then there's no value to the Jewish people really, and to mitzvahs and to all that because it doesn't care much about what's happening here at all. It's like the person asleep that is not really involved in what's going on. And and and, and in the body it can be a nightmare. 
Who cares? The soul is, is the soul really, as the soul is the soul, is the soul really like threatened by the nightmare? No, because the soul is not inside by the nightmare. The soul is out there. <laughs> the body is left in this nightmare. So God is like withdrawn, fine. Down here is a nightmare. And when he's in that withdrawn place, it's not necessarily going to the right places. So we're asking God as a result of our mitzvahs that we've done, which mitzvahs bring you down. Now we're asking you, look from Shemayim, which Shemayim is already a much closer. You're already down into the spheres when you're invested in the spheres. Then you're looking at this world and, 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 and you've entered into that, in a sense, miniature state so that you can look and see the importance and get excited about what's happening here. And then you will support the good and destroy the evil. And then Yisrael, you will bless the Jewish people. Like he says in the Mimer, um, looking when God looks through the heaven, he's like looking through a magnifying glass. The heavens are the magnifying glass, which takes tiny little things and make them larger. And when you make the world larger, then everything over here, what happens down here is important. And that's when good prevails in this world. And that's the point. And through this, bless your people Israel. When you will look from heaven, then the blessing will be to your people Israel. Which is the idea of what did we, we begin? The whole minor begins with the apostle. With you, with you is the source of life. With your light, we will see light. So what, is, what, what does that mean? So let me stop for a minute before we learn the next two lines. Based on everything we learned now, we can go back to that puzzle. One of the questions the Alter Rebbe asks is, we didn't, I didn't repeat it today, but one of the questions he asks in the original Mimer, what do we say with you is the source of life? As if... The source of life is like some hidden thing that exists with God. God has the source of life. It's like God has a toolbox. That's the source of life. Or God has a, has a, has a, has a generator. That's the source of life. You have it. No one else. Oh. And, and God, if you can get out of the way and we can get the generator, we'll be fine. It's just that it's with you, so we need you. What does that mean? With you is the source of life. You are the source of life. That's what we should say. Ki but that's not what it says in the verse. It doesn't say you are the source of life. It says with you is the source. And with Ba'urcha, with your light, we will see light. So what does that mean? So he explains like this. The source of the cosmos and the source of creation and the source of everything. If you trace it back, 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 even when you get to the highest place, it's, it's only sourced in a tiny little, 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 little crumb of a crumb. Remember we said before it starts with a thread? And then it becomes a hair of a thread. So the source of life is not you. The source of life is a tiny little extension of you, a tiny little ray of you. And precisely because of that, because, no, we're saying it's like this, because the source of life is only with you, it's not you, because you're infinitely transcendent. You're infinite beyond that. And therefore, the source of life, and therefore, it's possible that what? God forbid, that you don't care about. And if you don't, and if God is not engaged and he doesn't care, then this world is very dark because he's eliminating, he's illuminating very little into this project. He's very little invested in it. 
But we're saying like this, because Kiyam Chomakarchaim, therefore we're asking, with your light, which means when you come down to illuminate, when you come down to illuminate through Torah mitzvahs, that's number one, then there's divine revelation in this world. Because we said before, only when there's an extra illumination is divine illumination. And there's a little bit even more than that. Nira also means we will be seen as luminous. Because we're important only within the context of the Jewish people's function in this world is important only in the context of what? That we are here as the illuminate, illuminators of the divine in this world, the communicators of God in this world. If illuminating this world is important, then we are important. Like we said earlier, when you look from heaven, which means you're looking from a place where the world is important to you, then what? So because with you is the source of life, because it's the source of life, which means you infinitely transcend it, that's why only when when your light is illuminated, which means you descend down to illuminate into Atzilus by putting on tefillin, by doing all these things, then nira or then Number one, we see, the, we see a light. The light is then revealed in the world. It's not dark. Number two, nira, we are seen in the light. We are seen in the light. And we are seen as illuminated, illuminated beings who bring your illumination and therefore pivotal and important and, and uh, the most important entity in creation. But as he says, this is similar to we are appear to be something important because the entire intention in the chain like progression of creating all the worlds of emanating all the worlds is ultimately because God wants the fulfillment of Torah and in that, we're who are the ones who do, who do that. That's the Jewish project. And then the blessing comes to Israel. He made now to understand love and Indian Pidish Hashem. Even Puzzle. Now, what did we say? So now we understand the first Pidish of Hamashpili that God, you lower yourself down to come into heaven and earth. But there's another Pidish over here, we said. That heaven, what causes you to descend? That heaven and earth cause you to descend. So he's going to explain that there's a certain avoda that we do. So till now, we, we, we were applauding the, the highest thing we can do till now is do mitzvahs. Because when we're doing mitzvahs, we're causing God to do mitzvahs. And when God does mitzvahs, then it's good. But now we're going to learn that God has to be motivated. Yes, the fact that we do a mitzvah, he's kind of bond, ties himself up to us. When we do a mitzvah, he doesn't. But that itself, that, that he should be impressed by our mitzvahs and follow along and mimic our, our actions and go along with our actions, that itself needs to be created by something even deeper than mitzvah observed. And that is the deepest inner core commitment that we have to God, even higher than mitzvahs, before mitzvahs. It's what drives us to do mitzvahs, but it's the preliminary beginnings. It's the essence of the Jews' commitment to Hashem, which comes in two forms, heaven and earth. It's these two elements that cause and 
create, remember we spoke earlier that in the crown, there is 613 individual crowns, like the channels from the crown that pour, but then you have to get the bowl itself. You have to get the first initial, the, 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 the initial interest that he should be interested in what we're doing to create what we call, there is the will and there's the will of all wills. And that's mashpili, and that's what causes him to lower down. He has to fall in love with us to begin with. And then he cares about every detail. And to fall in love with us, we have to spark that. Comes from our super rational commitment to him. And that expresses itself in heaven and in earth. And that's the, the next part of the night. That he lowers himself down to see the Ainu shall Shamayim through our specific avoda called Shamayim heaven and earth. This is what prompts and causes this Ashpala. We first have to preface in We first have to preface the idea of the menorah of Zachariah, al Roshan. So we'll, let's let's take a look at that because all of this is hinted to in this vision that Zechariah took. So remember, let's go back to Zechariah. Zechariah sees the menorah. That's the illumination. That's the spherot illuminated. The seven spherot. The menorah itself is Malchus. The seven lamps are the seven emotions of Atzilus. They're all illuminated with godly light. But on top of that is a bowl, and the bowl is the most important part of it. This is on the table. Because the way that everything evolves, the way everything everything um, comes down, and a flow from the emanator to the emanations, there always is a, 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 a mediator. There has to be someone in between. Between the emanator and the emanations, not someone. There is a level in between. Why they bring us Kesser through the always through a level of Kesser. And what's Kesser? Kesser is the will. Kesser is called crown, and it's the idea that he desires to be to connect. In other words, there is the there is the, the emanator as he is not with any desire to go out of himself. He's pride, he's locked in himself. Then there is the emanations, and what connects the pro it's like a person. There is you, and there are your projects. What bonds you with your projects? The will to be involved in those projects. And what's will? Will is what takes you out of yourself. Will is a will. Will drives a person. It's an awakening inside of you to get involved with something. To 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 to, to you want something you, because you want. Other than this, you're 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 deeply satisfied in inward. So the keser is that movement of God to the outside. So that always has to come before every project, before every illumination, before every emanation, or whatever it is. Which Kabbalistically we know On the one hand, Kesser is considered already to the outside. Why is it relates already to the level? Because it's a will, for example, a will for 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 tefillin, a will for mochen is already relating to stuff. So in the sense, it's already far from the insult. Body says it still is the end. It's the tail end of the insult because it's the will of who? It's the will. It's he. He wants. It's him. So it's the. It's called the lower level of the. The keser is always the final level of the insult before the. Before whatever it is that is coming after. It has the the, the lower level of the insult. 
And the element of being, because in Kesar we say, let me explain something. In Kesar, since Kesar acts as the functions, as the as the as the transmitter or the mediator between the ink sof and the emanations, the emanator and the emanations, we said every medi- medi- mediator has to have of its has to, has to have a connection to the both sides that he's mediating between. So Kesar has to has to it acts like a shatchan, like a matchmaker. So it has to have a, a a language with both. It has to have a rapport with both. It has to be able to speak to both, to be able to communicate between them. So Kesar, the higher part of Kesar is called Atik Yom in the ancient of days. And the lower part of Kesar, where Kesar is considered more like already the source to the emanations, is called Erech Anpin, the long face like we discussed earlier. So Atik Yom, and that's, the, that's like the tail end of the Ein Soif. And now he compares. And, and he draws a, a, a comparison analysis. The Just like on a much lower level. On a level much closer to us. Remember we spoke earlier, I, I said it even this year, we spoke, that Kesser exists on many levels. That between the, the actual creation, which is the three lower worlds, Bri, Yatsir, and Asiya, and Atzilus, Malchus acts as a Kesser. So the commotion of Malchus Atzilus, just like Malchus of Atzilus, Nasa Atik Libria, becomes an Atik, becomes the, the ancient one for Bria, becomes, the Nimtza comes out, Shebchinas Kesser de Bria, which means the crown of Bria, Yesh Boy, has in it Mepchinas Tachtoina Sheba Atzilos. When Malchus becomes the Attic, when it becomes the Kesser for the next level, it has, it's, it's Malchus. It has a little bit of the Malchus of Atzilos in it. And then it becomes the Attic to the next level, Mamish. It has of Malchus Tatsilus, of that quality of light of Malchus Tatsilus, is now the crown of Bria, even though it belongs to Bria, which Bria is absolutely incomparable to Atsilus. But because Kesser of Bria is derived and is an extension of Malchus of Atzilus when she lowers herself down, there's still a trace of Atzilus there. There's still some element of the Orin Sof comparison to, which is called, it's called Ein Sof compared to Bria. So just like it is in this connection between Atzilus and Bria, the same is also between the Orin Sof and Atzilus, it's the same thing. And even and now he's going to a much higher level. Now he's going, he's jumping a few levels above, even higher than the 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 communicator between between higher than Atsilus and Atsilus, he's going even one, way above between Atsilus and Adam Kadmon, Adam Kadmon, primordial man, which is way way above, and the emanations from there. There is also it's called Malchus of Adam Kadmon, the lowest element of the Adam Kadmon becomes the attic, becomes the crown. Malchus to Adam Kadmon. Oh, actually, no, it's actually talking about the Kesser of Atsilas. But from the Malchus element of the Adam Kadmon, which is the, just like Atsilus is considered, at, let me put it this way, just like Atsilus is considered Atsilus to breathe Yatsir and Asiya, what's the Atsilus for Atsilus? Adam Kadmon is called Atsilus. And the lowest level of Adam Kadmon becomes the crown for Atsilus. So the level of Kesser is the crown of Adam Kadmon. 
which is sometimes referred to as Malchus the Ein Sof, because Adam Kadman is a level that's really Ein Sof. Nasa Atik becomes the crown and the Kesatatzilus. And this is the meaning when we say Hagula Sha'al Rasha. When Zachariah saw this menorah, he didn't see a little menorah, he saw the entire configuration of the world of Atzilus. That's the menorah. And on top of it is this bowl. What's that? That's the keter. That's the crown. And where is it coming from? It's really this bowl is really the final, the final level of malchus of Adam Kadmon. So it's really malchus of Ainsov. And therefore, that's really when we're talking about drawing and pulling the gra- this, 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 this magnetic pull to pull God down. It's really at this point where we have to affect. That's the bowl. That's why the bowl is so significant. Take that away and this complete disconnect. Now, how do you know that gula shalrosh? What's the gula? The, the, this this bowl on the top of the menorah. Why is it referring to keser? like it says in the in Kings, gula sakayseres. So there, it's talking about the temple that um, that King Solomon made. Shlomo Melech made. Talks about two amudim, two pillars, and on top of that is gulas. There is this crown, and there's the bowl of the crown. So you see, it relates to gulas with koiseris, which koiseris means a crown. Shakoiseris a makiv lamaila that surrounds above svivas roisha that goes around their head. The kach and so too ubchenas keser the keser ubchenas atara umakiv alamoichin. It's the atara. It's the crown. That's above, higher than Atzilus, and higher even of Chachmem Bina, higher even than the Mochim. The Shiva and below it are the seven lamps. They are the emotions of Atzilus. Okay, but now, so we got like this. It's interesting. In this menorah, what the one thing it leaves out is the Chachmem and the Bina. Because you have the menorah itself, which is Zed Devar Hashem. That's Malchus itself. That's the menorah, the vessel. The seven lamps, which are like the glass that goes on top of the menorah. That's that's the seven emotions. The bowl is Keser, but what you don't have over here is Chabad. Chafmabina, for whatever reason, is not in this story here. But the Keser, which is above the Moshe, that's the bowl. But from the bowl, there is seven, remember, seven spouts. That are pouring the oil into the seven. So what are those seven spouts? Those seven spouts are coming from the bowl. If the bowl is keser, so these are spouts in, in keser itself. From Atik Yomen, there's some kind of spouts. So what is that? And they have to flow, these spouts of the bowl, which as we said, the bowl is keser. And it's the and, it, and we learned now over here, it's not just keser, it's the panemius of keser, it's the Atik Yomen. So we have to say that these spouts are something related to Atik Yomen. So what are they? That the seven midos of Atikyom, Hemzayin Taton, the seven spouts that are pouring, Hemzayin Taton, the Atikyom, these are the seven midos of Atikyom. Imagine that. In Atikyom in itself, there is a source of a source of a source of a source of a source to the ten spheres. Because that's the whole idea of, of, of Keser, to serve as a medium. So therefore, even in Atik, which is the higher part of Keser, it's the lower part of the Oyen. Of the ain't self, but it's the higher part of Kesser, there is already a a the notion on a on, on a level that we just can't even 
begin to understand what that means, there are 10 spheros in it, and the seven lower ones, these are the seven spells. Shehem Pchines Mokar these are the root of this influence, to the emotions when they manifest already in the world of Atzilus. So in the world of Atzilus, you have the, the divine emotions, but as they exist in the pre, in the in the in the superconscious of God, so to speak, in the in the pre pre in the pre atzilus state, in the kesar, these are the seven emotions. That's why it's called. It's pouring into the neiros. Stated elsewhere. Now he's going to explain this idea. Let's let's use the human from the human anatomy. We will understand from the psyche of the soul. We can understand. We have a capacity of seven emotions. And our emotions are generally stimulated by the, by the intellect. When we appreciate the value of the greatness, the, the, the beauty, the sweetness, the goodness of any phenomenon, we are stimulated, our emotions are triggered and developed to get excited about it. So our emotions are generally directed and a product of the mind. That's why they're called children. The mind is called, called parents to their children. But we know that there are certain emotions that are, don't, that are, that are not rational, are super logical emotions, excitements that are, that are not based on a study and a learning, and that's how we get excited. It's, for example, our love and, 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 and connection that we have to our children it's not something you have to learn about in order to develop. It comes naturally, intrinsically. It's organically. Which means that are embedded in our essence of our soul higher than even than our mind. So much so that these emotions supersede the mind. And when, when, when something is, 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 is threatening your child or something like that, something that's touching a deep place, you act like a lunatic. Your mind is, becomes totally irrelevant. Because you mess with my children, because you mess. Why? Because because these are core essential emotions. These are emotions that are not. See, most of our emotions, in order that we should be a normal human being, be able to walk with people, the, our God created us and tailored us that most of our excitements are going to be filtered through our mind, produced by them. But the core emotions are rooted in the soul itself, even higher than the intellect. But thank God, God put a filter, or else we'd just be raving lunatics all day long. We would be running around with madness. So, in order that doesn't happen, so we have this in-between filter. Every everything goes through the mind. The mind objectively evaluates good or bad, and based on that, stimulates emotion. But we know that even when we're excited for things that we that our mind our mind appreciates, and the mind triggers the emotion. In order to really get excited, we have to leak. We have to open up channels to the, to the, to the, to the craziness. In other words, when, 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 and again, not always is that appropriate, but with things that are appropriate, for example, with God for sure, but with things that are good to love and good to get excited about, if you just keep the emotions fueled by the intellect, the relationship is never going to go too far. An emotion, a real intense and 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 and, and powerful relationship has to. In, has to have a little craziness to it. In other words, it has to. You have to allow the 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 um, in, in the outer emotions to 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 be nurtured by the super emotions, by the higher emotions, and that's the idea of the seven emotions of Atik that empower the seven emotions 
of Atzilus. The seven emotions of Atzilus are already emotions that are emanated from God's perspective, from God's intelligence. He gets excited about being involved with the world. But really, it's really being fueled by energies that are higher than the intelligence. And these are the seven emotions of Atik. There's two levels of Midas. One of them is one of the emotions that are below the intellect, the his boyness and contemplation. The Nikra, and these are called Tura de They're called mountains of light. The reason why they're called luminous mountains, mountains of light. Emotions are mountains. But the, and they're light because they make sense. They're, they could be beautiful. They, they should. They're talking about good emotions. Vabes, but then there's different types of mountains which are called dark mountains. And those are, that's the capacity in a human being to have the, the inner light that's not governed by intellect. And it's just raw. That's called dark because it's beyond comprehension. Vabes, it's midos that are beyond. And since intellect is called light, and these and these emotions are not influenced by the intellect. They're not created by intellect. They're not influenced by the intellect, and therefore these emotions are called dark mountains. and it's beyond the, the mind and reasons that could be understood. and it's called great love, mad love, wild love. And especially in our relationship with God, if we can unplug, that's the whole point of prayer, that you should unplug your soul on this level. Move way beyond your intellect. Allow the raw energy of the essential soul, of the, of the, of the affinity of the soul to emerge. And that's what it means. Love God with all, your, with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. All your might means with absolutely maddening love, with madness. Like Rabbi Akiva, when he started Dominic Shmona Esrei, they would start finding him on one end of the room, find him on the other, and that's because of madness. The greatest tzaddikim were all madmen. And, 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 and a very good madness. They, I mean, they were, they, they were normal, but yet they were crazy. If you would watch Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Abraditchev in his general day, you would think this is a madman. Some were better at controlling it. The Alter Rebbe, because of his vast seichon, was better at, at 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 keeping the madness at bay, but yet almost in every one of his, his 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 discourses, he allows the madness to show. He teaches us how to be mad people, even when he's tr- trying to he's trying to be the Chabad Rebbe. <laughs> he's trying so hard to be the Labad, the Chabad Rebbe, but yet the madness keeps on on perking out. And basically, he's explaining over here that if you're not activating the madness, you're never going to engage God Himself, because if you're only if you're if you're if if our approach to God is only from the mind and down, everything is intellectual, everything is logical, and you only and it's only the energy is only equivalent to the to the to what we understand and what we appreciate, then we're only gauging also the divine attributes. We're not engaging deeper to engage deeper, which which is the whole point of it. To get the kesser, to get the crown, you got to operate from your kesser. You got to unleash your soul. You got to unlock your soul. You got to open your soul up and allow the madness to come out. The, 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 this, this, this crazy love to come gushing forward. And this is called great love, and dark mountains. And these midos that are beyond the intellect, they're called faucets. To the midos and the to the emotions, there, they energize it. because they're the, And what he's saying is that even if you're not conscious of this madness, 
even if you're kind of seeing yourself and your whole experience more as reasonable and rational and logical, but really the underlying current is really this mad, this mad law. Hanikraneros, which is called, which is called the neiros, the, the, so the, the 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 emotions that are that are produced by the mind is called neiros, but the oil flowing to the neiros from these seven spouts are these deep keter emotions. Now we're still left to figure out. Okay, so now we know what the bowl is. It's the general keser. The seven, the seven spouts are the are the are the um, are the middles of the keser. But what are the two olive trees that are on the side that produce the olives and go into the bowl? and the two zaysin, the two olives, echod uh, remember, I asked you before. I said there's no chachmah bina there. We got, we got the, we got the malchus, we got the emotions, and then we even have the transcendental emotions, but we don't have the chachmah. We have the keser, the bowl, but we have. Oh, so the olive branches are the chachmah bina. But the, the reason I said that we don't find the chachmah bina because they're not the chachmah bina of atzilas. They're the chachmah and bina of atik yomin. That means higher than the seven emotions is the whatever chachmah and bina means in keter. And in the panemius of Kesar. Now we know what does what, what does that have to do with olive trees, with Chachmah Bina? Because we know oil is Chachmah. Intelligence is compared to oil. The Gam, that's that's one one element of what they could represent or what they represent. The Chachmah Bina of Atikim, and he doesn't give much explanation of its function in, in this discussion over here. The gamim, and it also represents something else on a, a, a lower level. They are the true, the two channels. The ten attributes of Atzilus, remember, we said in the beginning of the Mimer, starting with Chachma and Bina, that they, it only nurtures from a little here. Those two strands of here, Chachma takes from one here and Bina takes from another strand. We spoke, we learned this mouth many times. There is 13 mazalos, there are certainly strands of here coming from Keter. The eighth one is Neutzer, and that's where Chachma derives its energy from. The 13th one is Venake, and that's where Bina gets its energy. So these two olive branches, olive, not branches, olive trees, represented this these two channels of Neutzer and, and Nake, where Chachmem Bina derived from, these two mazalis. Basically, and that's why, and, 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 and I understand that without the olives, nothing is happening because that's where the oil flows from. And the oil has to come from somewhere. That's the, the channel of the Ein Sof of where this oil, which is representing the divine, this, 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 this flow of God from the infinite into Atzilas, it's coming through these channels. But there's a very important idea of it. The olive branch and everything, the olives, the olive trees, you're not going to get oil unless you get what? Unless you crush the olives. Without, without that, nothing, you don't even begin to start. You got to crush the olives. The olives get crushed. Now, the olives themselves, there's two things. Number one, olives need to be crushed. And olives themselves are bitter. 
They're not they're definitely not a sweet fruit. They're bitter. So bitterness and crushing. These are going to be two very important assets or two very important experiences that are required. He's going to explain that in order to activate and to create this entire system, there has to be a certain bitterness and a crush. Because here's the idea. The question is, what's God's entertainment in all of this? Why in the world would he invest himself into this small little project called, as we said, if he said it's so insignificant, it's got to have some kind of entertainment. It's got to have, he's got to have some kind of excitement of squeezing himself into this whole business. So what entertains him? What entertains him is when the unholy is crushed. He created an enemy and he, and he wants that enemy defeated. And every time we defeat that enemy, it gives him a thrill and that's what gets him involved. If we're not, if, if you know, and you see it, people get their entertainment by watching sports and watching one team defeat another team. And that's that victory that causes such excitement. And we're programmed that way because God is also that way. He also watches Sunday, Sunday football. And that's why he shows up to the party because he watches Sunday football. He watches, he's into it. And, but the football over here is the defeating of the Klippa and the Sitra Achra. They need to be defeated. And that's the idea of the crush. It's the constant crushing that we crush the unholy. And it's the constant bitterness that comes from like us dealing with Yetzirah and all that and regrets of Tshuva and all of that. That's what fuels all of this. And Isaiah Sumar, and now he says that the, the, the olive is bitter. You pull the oil through crushing it. And this is the 288 sparks which come when we overpower the klipa, when we dismiss the klipa. The klipa keeps on vying for our attention. Klipa keeps on making us forget, not care about Torah and mitzvahs, and quite a country do the opposite. And when we keep on smashing the klipa and keep on breaking it, we release the sparks. These sparks are what rise up and, tra- and track and attract the godliness down. It's the 288 sparks, which is the sum total of all the sparks. Through us subduing our own little Yetzirah inside of us and in general in the world. This hapchem and the conversion of the unholy. Like it says, when the sitra achra is subdued, God's glory rises. That's the simple meaning. The much deeper meaning means that the level that is estalic, that level that is that is so removed and so high, that's why that's where we pull him from. We pull him, we pull him from his most detached state, we pull him down into the world. And that's why these two olives, what are the olive trees? Which the olive trees is, is is what produce the olives, which those olives are crushed, and those crushing olives gives you the oil, which the oil flows into the so the whole divine engagement is all dependent on these two olive trees. You need to have first olives. So he's explaining that that the whole system of having sparks that are being which are called feminine waters, sparks that are going up, and as a result of that energy being flown down which is called masculine waters and feminine waters, which is this whole romance over here that there is between God and us in which he engages and gets involved are really 
dependent on these two, the source of that phenomenon is in these two mazolis. One mazal is the mazal of Bina, which Bina is feminine. So that's that's the, that's the quintessential source for all upward energy, for all this that we release a spark upward to go and register, go all the way, all the way, all the way back to the quintessential beginning. And from there, through the other mazal, the energy, all masculine waters flow. So therefore, it's these two olive trees that are there, that are the source of this maya, ma, ma, again, there's, there's not so much explanation over here, but this is the general idea. Again, and the source of drawing down the maya nukfin, and ma, I'm sorry, lifting up maya nukfin feminine waters, masculine waters, which comes through all the refinements, which comes as a result of us breaking our yetzah. Is drawn from the two mazels. Mazel Venake, the mazel of Venake, which is the 13th one, Hushaydish Kol Haman, which is the source of where Bina gets her energy, is the source of all feminine waters, which is upward motion. Or Mazel Neitzer, which is also the same letter word as Tsinor. Tsinor means a, a pipe. Mazel Neitzer, Shayrish Hamad, is the root of all masculine waters. That's why they are the two Zaysim. Because without these two channels, nothing is going on. These are the most potent channels that there are, these two olive branches, because that's what gets the whole system going. And what does it mean to us? Hanal, that's our constant battle with our Yetzirah, the subduing of the Klippa that makes the entire project entertaining to God. And that is the reason why he gets engaged and gets involved. And he flows in. But he's now going to emphasize even more than that. There's the general struggle. That's important. And that's very important. That's how, and that's what we do through all the mitzvahs where we're refining the sparks, we're elevating, and then we're engaging in everything. But then there is the general attitude that precedes the individual, you know, triumphs that we have overpowering our evil inclination continuously. There is a commitment that we make that precedes it all. Because if you don't make a commitment beforehand, you won't have these moments of victory. The only reason we prevail over our evil inclination is at the beginning of the day, if we set ourselves straight and we say, I am here, I am given over to you, God. My life is about you, God. Then we can, and it's that commitment that creates the general ball. That's the idea that he's saying over here. The main cause of drawing down that gula, that ball that's on its head, are now who are they? It's not the particular surrender that we have to God when we're doing, when we're going out of our way, when we want to do something, when we're lazy, we don't want to go Dava Mincha, we don't want to do this, we don't want to go to Minyan, or we're, or we're lazy to bring Negel Vasar at night, and we don't want to put it next to our bed, or we don't want to make the bracha, or we don't want to wash our hands before eating, or we don't want to bench, or, or whatever it is, or we want, or, or, or whatever, we have appetites and wants for all kinds of unholy stuff, and we don't do them because of God. So these are all, as we said before, particular overcoming of them. But before all of that, there is a far more primal state. This is the general nullification of our. It's not about me, it's about what you, God, want. Now that surrender of ourselves completely to God is our quintessential fanaticism. It's not based, your mind won't bring you to that. Your mind will always leave a little space for you to be comfortable. 
the, the commitment to give yourself over to the point of like, no matter what, God, I'm yours. No matter how uncomfortable I am is really a, a fundamental craziness. And that's what he says. It's a bitl where you're ready to give it. It's higher than reason. That's what creates hamshachas hagula. That's what draws down the bowl itself. Which is the crown. And it's encompassing. It's above the mochen, he said earlier. It's above the whole system. And that's God's will to be engaged and involved has to do with our will to be in a relationship with him. But our will to be in a relationship means to give up on our own personal personal gains. It's all about, about our desire for him at the cost of everything. Well, be it in the end, and the explanation of the matter is as follows. When we do individual mitzvahs, and as a result of that, we elevate sparks, we cause, we cause energy to flow upward, right? And it goes up, 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 higher, higher, higher. Even, in other words, this, this energy flow, this, this, this stimulator, we send the stimulation going, it's going higher, higher through all the levels. It reverberates through the entire cosmic order, higher and higher and higher and higher and higher, all the way into Atsilus and beyond Atsilus into, he says, Chachmastima, into the hidden level of Chachma that's in Keser. And it's going all the way, all the way up, and from there it's triggering. I don't know what he means over here. And this is the, 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 the here is explaining. Something this needs a little. I mean, I might, if I have chance, and if I remember, I'm gonna hopefully look it up uh, in the other version of the of the mimer. If there's a little more explanation on this, I didn't get a chance to look this up. He says this is. He's explaining over here that there is two types of hair. There is hair on the head, and there's hair of the beard. The hair on the head is an upward energy. And a hair of the beard is a downward energy. Meaning to say, to bring the infinite light of God down, it's through God's hair because it's infinite. So the only way it can come into the world is it has to contract itself through a hair and come down. That's the hair of the beard. It's a downward flow, which comes as a result of an up of an upload. The download has to come as a result of an upload. We upload a spark, and God downloads infinity. And we upload a spark on that. The upload is somehow associated with again passing through the hair into the head. But it's like the it's like it seems like it's like the hair penetrating the skull inward, not out. What does it have to do with the hair of the head versus the hair of the beard? I have no idea. It's a little hard to get this again. But this causes afterwards from above added light, the and abundant flow. It's drawn down below. Remember, uh, it makes sense because it's the two mazolis. Remember, we said before earlier we spoke that there's two mazolis. One is up and one is down, but here, but they're both part of the beard. So. Which they're a flow down. And therefore, because you need in order to, to, to get God to come down, you need, we said earlier, a spark. That's why every mitzvah we do engages something from the klipa, because where are the sparks? The sparks are in the klipa. That's why all the mitzvahs are in noiga. Noiga meaning stuff that come from the klipa, which is all physical phenomena. 
Hatzemer, the tzitzis, the, 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 the wool of the tzitzis, the cloth of tzvillin, and the parchment of the tzvillin. Through this that we elevate the sparks, or it is elevated the sparks of Noga, the Kima Mitzvah, through the fulfillment of the Mitzvah, that causes increased light in Atzilus, Kineskaliyah. But that's individual mitzvahs. That's little zingers. We keep on zinging God with these little mitzvahs. But what really grabs his attention and pulls his entire being, when we are in a state where we surrender our entire self, that has a much greater quality. And over there we break the entire klipa. Because you're not breaking one particular desire. You're breaking your entire your entire ego, not a one individual expansion of one's ego, but your entire very ego itself, your entire being itself. You're giving yourself over, and therefore it causes this kavya sitrach. It causes the general klipa to break. It's the general. You bring your entire body to God, and you say, "Here I am. Whatever you want, it's your. I'm yours." That's that's that that's a very important word over here. A person surrenders and nullifies or abnegates all of his desires. and you etch it into your heart. to go to pursue God. That's it. Nothing else. and you bring yourself to such a state that you have no other desire it's as if you want nothing what, I have no, what God wants that's my only desire obviously this is a high level it's nice to learn about it and this is what God really wants of us or he means and this now becomes the person's will I think that's what will be my will what God wants then the entire headquarters of Klippa is broken. It's not just an expansion of the Klippa that is defeated. The entire headquarters of the Klippa itself. The Klippa is so defeated and so smashed. Much more than when you are doing just one mitzvah. And therefore, the, the, the response, the divine reciprocation to this, who brings the entire crown down, the entire the entire Abish there, the entire God comes down, not just a detail of divine emanation. It's the it's it's him himself. This is called not just a will, every mitzvah reveals a will of Hashem in this world, but this brings the will of all wills. Raiva the kol raiva, the will of all wills, the einu mokker kolar it's the source of all wills. Which isn't the case. Remember, he began the mimer that the six thirteen mitzvahs are the six thirteen pathways of the skull. But they, then he says that there is, but they're really their source is one pathway of a much higher skull. He says of the skull of the erech because really that's the source of all mitzvahs. Which is six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs, or the six hundred and thirteen pathways on the on the skull of the zeirantu. Shuaderech lamata, mashalamata. This would be by way of analogy below. This is already referring to detailed desires. Will ava makoid on v'sharsham, but their root and their source, who pchenas raiva the kodaizim, is the will of all wills. 
That comes when you give yourself over completely. When you give your entire being over, then you're not connecting to his will, you're connecting to him himself. When you're surrendering to a mitzvah, then you're, you're surrendering to that particular will of his. Then you're connecting to the will or the will. And these bitl rotsen, this surrender is called. Now, remember we said before, what causes God to descend? Where does He descend? Into heaven and into earth. But we learned the second period. What causes God to come down? The service of Shamayim and Eretz. When we do Shamayim and we do Eretz, this is called Eretz. Why is it called Eretz? Because we turn ourselves into earth. We turn ourselves into complete nothingness. It doesn't matter what I want, because I don't have a want. I only want what you want. So I am just plain earth in front of you, God. Wherever you are, I am totally nullified. To you. When we do that, that, that pulls him down. It's called You literally turn yourself into dust. Because the, the real reason we 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 are so excited about our 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 desires, our desires, desires because we're so important in our because we're so we're so important in our own. That's why something that makes me feel good is so important. But if we become not so important because we're like off our earth, okay. But but he he is so important. So then all of our passion and all of our drive and all of our energy is only in the fulfillment of the divine will. Okay, but then what is Shamayim? We need we, we bring God down through Aretz and through Shamayim. So what is Shamayim? What is the service of Shamayim? The Shamayim and Shamayim, he says in the parentheses, Hainu Makif. Heavens, the heaven is a is a is a, a heavens are like a an encompassing energy. Because heaven is around the earth. This is a different experience. It's not the offer, the oret the, the is bitl. The 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 is a different is is the love, loving God, but loving God with all your might. That means not not the reasonal rational love. In other words, a passion and a fire that's just explosive. So these two things together, one is a complete surrender, a complete eradication of all will. God, whatever you want, I'm totally there. One is absolute devotion, crazy devotion, and the other one is crazy desire. Two together. One is heaven and one is earth. Both of them are on level, are, 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 are raw energy of the soul, not, in, not intellect, not reason. And that's why they both influence the Ein Sof, and they draw the Ein Sof down. Literally without, without a name. This is what draws down. That there should be a gula, there should be a keser. There should be a source for this flow from the emanator into the emanations. We create the bridge between God himself and the world, which is his desire. But how do we draw down his desire, which is the crown, through a service of the crown, which is above our heads. We create that bowl. And we also create these spouts. 
Because as we said earlier, that the spouts represent also transcendental emotions, mountains of darkness, things that are higher than intellect. What causes him to come down? Heaven and earth is what? The avoda of heaven and the avoda of earth brings him down. This is what causes to, there should be a, a descent from the Ain Sof, literally. We forge the crown. And then once we have the crown, then we got to bring him into details. And through adherence to the specific will, that's when we draw down the light, the clothing of light from the Kesser, into the 613 pathways of the Zayrant. The 248 limbs of the king, that's the second meaning of Hamashpili. See, the first Pirush is through Shamayim Va'aretz, we get the crown himself. And then through all the individual mitzvahs, we bring him into Shamayim and Oretz, which means all the Kalim of Atzilus. Oretz is Malchus, and Shamayim is the Zeiranpin, which means we fill all the vessels and all the containers, and we fill all the pathways, and suddenly the godliness, godliness is not godliness, Hashem himself is flowing through all the arteries. So both Pirushim are necessary. Shemayim va'aretz is to the first period Shemayim va'aretz that we're talking about transcendental service, bittle completely, mad love to God. These two things are necessary as as stimulators. What sparked the whole thing? That's what attracted him himself, the Abraham himself. But then to actually draw him into into every detail of creation, that's that's the second period. into every facet of existence. And that comes through observance of mitzvahs, the actual observance of all the detailed mitzvahs. One of them is listening to the willer, one of them is engaging the willer of the will, and the other one is adhering to the will. In heaven and earth, that's the zuchra and nukva, the male and female of atzilus. Now, we, this idea that in order to draw down above, above, above atzilus, can only be through through this madness. And in order to bring in Atzilus is through mitzvahs. He's now going to support it by an idea from the Arizal. And as it's stated in the writings of the Ari, in order to bring about the Yichud of Abba Ve'ima, father and mother, which is, what does it mean to bring the Yichud of Abba and Abba and Ima, father and mother, Afachma and Bina. That's the that's Mamish touching the ceiling. That's reaching Atzilus. In order to cause Chachma to unify with Bina, it has to be new light coming from the Ein Sof into Chachma, and then Chachma is intimate with Bina, brings that into Bina. So there has to be an Orein Sof. For that, the Arizal says, only that mitzvah stone won't do that. The Arizal says you have to do Mesiris Nefesh. For that, you have to have self-sacrifice. And what's the sacrifice? When you say Shema Yisrael every day, and you commit yourself completely, you give your entire being over to God, that's when you cause that path. And that's why it's Shema comes in the beginning of the day. You can't, your mitzvahs are, your mitzvahs are lifeless if there's no Shema Yisrael first. First, there has to be Shema Yisrael, which is Mesir Nefesh, which caused that. Then all the other mitzvahs, you can already connect, to, you can draw down and, Feed the light and download from level to level through a mitzvah without that mysterious nefesh, but required first a mysterious nefesh. 
So he says, the Rizal says, Shalaham Shechichud Ava Abba Ve'ima Huaydei Mesiris Nefesh is only through Mesiris Nefesh. The Yichud Zun, and to bring together the Yichud, the lower level of Yichud, between the Ze'er Anpen and Malchus, which are the six emotions, and Malchus Huaydei Torah Mitzvah, that's who Torah is. Like we say, when every time we do Torah Mitzvah, we say, L'Shem Yichud, Kuchu Bidichud, because of Yichud. But that's already because the inner, because God is already interested. Once he's interested, now it's just about directing him here or there, inviting him into this, into this, into this, into this corner, inviting him into this aspect. But he's already, he's already in your house. But in order to invite him in the first place to come visit you, for that you need something much more powerful. And these two pirushim. These are the two pirushim. that was explained over here. The first Pirush was Bashamayim Ba'aretz is the Avoid of Shamayim Ba'aretz. That's Mesiris Nefesh. And the second Bashamayim Ba'aretz is in Kamachkazim Makamachar, Shiyeh Shamayim Ba'aretz Siloin, Vyeh Shamayim Ba'aretz Tatoin. There's a higher Shamayim Ba'aretz and a lower Shamayim Ba'aretz. So it makes sense. In the Pirush of Shamayim Ba'aretz, double Pirush. Similar to what we had over here earlier, that Akadish Baruch who even has two Pirush. And this is what the sages say. We go to the last page, just a few more minutes. The sages say, why do we say Shema? Every day when we cite the Shema, we have three, there are three Torah portions that make up the Shema. One is the first Shema. The second one is Vahaya Im Shemaya, if you will listen to my commandments. And then the last one is Vayomer, the parish of Tzitzis. So the sages in the Mesechta's tractate brachas explain the order. Why in that order? They, they don't. They're not stated together in the Torah. So why do we put it in that order? But the sages say because Shema you have to say first because Shema is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. You're accepting God as your king. You're not yet talking about mitzvahs. You're just saying I belong to you. I'm, I acknowledge you. I recognize. I submit to your kingship. The next Vahayim Shemaya is submitting. What is the saying, Vayim Shema? If you will listen to my mitzvahs, dealing already with details with mitzvahs. So the sages say you can't submit to mitzvahs if you didn't first accept the king. In other words, Judaism is not freelance. Well, you know, if you have extra time, you do a mitzvah. If you happen to be in the mood of you'll run an errand for God. That's not the point. The point is you be a, you're a subject. You're my servants, God says. So you first have to acknowledge the servitude to Him. Your identity is you're His servant, and then you can do mitzvahs. Based on what we just learned, that's the way you feed the light into the world. First, you need a, a general surrender, and then you have the detail. Should accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven. That's what you accept upon yourself the yoke of mitzvahs. Because in now, where do you see in Parsha Shema that you're really accepting the yoke of heaven, and especially the idea that we spoke earlier? Your your Shemais is indicating this super rational service, this craziness, expressing itself in crazy surrender and crazy love. Where do you see that? He says, Yeah, because in Shema it says something that it doesn't say volume Shemaya. In Shema it says you will love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your all your soul, and all of your being, and all your might. In the second portion. It says, It repeats the same thing. You will love God with all your hearts and all your soul. And it doesn't mention all your might. It mentions it only. So you, so it says, in that, 
all your in that and all your might, that's what we're talking about, this infinity, this madness. Now, we said that this madness includes heaven and earth, the higher heaven and the higher earth. Heaven means boundless love, and earth means boundless devotion, boundless surrender. He's going to, the sages, and therefore the sages give two interpretations on what Bechoma Otcha means. One pirush of the sages, Bechoma Otcha, means with all your money. You're willing to give every cent that you have. The other pirush the sages say on Bechoma Otcha, every way he treats you, you accept it. You're not going to rebel no matter what he does. So the non-rebuilding, no matter what God does with you, that's utter surrender and utter devotion. To squander your money and give everything away like I'm, is, is mad love. Like you love someone, you're crazy about them, you'll spend on them and spend on them, there's no end because you're just crazy about them. So the spending, the squandering of everything you own for God's sake comes because of the mad love. The fact that no matter what he will do to you, you will still be his, no matter what kind, is complete surrender to his will. So that's the heaven and the earth, but both of them are what? On a level of madness. Both of them are the soul itself unhinged, like released. The soul itself, uh, like not, not the you're not operating within the narrowness of your of your soul powers of your psyche. You're allowing the rawness of the essence of the soul to be felt. The second portion is already a more external level of your being. Um, and, and the truth is, you have to step away from that because if you're right in that place, you, you won't get anything done. You're just going to be a madman. So you have to have that in the beginning of the day at a certain point, and then you have to go away from that and and, and work more within a system, within a within a within a rational logic, and and do God's will based on this. So we see this first of all. We do it every day. Davening is a time of this, and then later throughout the day you do mitzvahs, but also throughout the year. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is the time for this madness. Sukkahs, all that. And then the rest of the year is more, and that's like the devotion to Hashem's kingdom as a king. And then there is the individualized mitzvahs. Everything operates, follows this system. So, according to the second pirish, it's, it, it, it's, it's the shamayim of the second pirish. You're giving everything away for God. The sages also say, everything that every way God will treat you. Thank him and, and, and surrender to him and do it. This is the idea of Eretz. Pitlrot, the Pitlrot. The calls and Nikra and all of this is called Kabbalas or Malchus This is called the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. What does it mean, the acceptance of the yoke of heaven? It's so good. Kabbalas or Malchus means simply acceptance of the yoke of heaven. It's much deeper. Kabbalah means receiving. And what are you receiving? The, you, you're opening yourself up to receive. Malchus that the king of heaven, the kingdom of heaven means the kingdom of the Orient Self. In other words, this is to draw God's very being down you, and to be a vessel, to draw me. That's what you're doing. Pidis Malchus the Ein Self. This is to draw the Malchus of the Ein Self. Shanikra Malchus Shamayim. And why is it called Malchus Shamayim? Shamayim means makif. It's not the individual level of Malchus where Malchus becomes more of a specific energy from Atsilos to Bria or this level. The, the very, it's the Malchus, it's, it's the most distant Malchus. It's the mo, this is the Malchus of the Orient Sof, literally. 
And that's This brings down the bowl. You bring the malchus down to become a crown tatzilos. As you draw down into light, into the individual mitzvahs, into the visual vessels, into the heaven and earth, which is the other pirish in Shemayim But now, now we go back to the verse that we opened up with. With you is the makar of Chayim. What does that mean? Pirish. The malchus of Olam Atzilus that becomes a crown for Bria Tzir Nasir Nikra Makar The malchus of every level is called the source of life because malchus is always the emanator. Malchus is the channel. Malchus is speech. Malchus is the communicator. Malchus is the source. Higher than malchus, there's no worlds. Everything. So malchus is called the source of life. But malchus is just the the, the very telltale end. It's it's why it's called Imcha. It's not you, it's nullified to you. It's It's the source of life of Because the Kesser is the source. Kesser, and since Malchus of Atzilus is the Kesser of Bria, so it's called the Makar. But even though it's the Kesser, it's such a source for everything, but to you itself, it's nothing. To, to Atzilus, the Malchus, which is such a superpower, it's the mucker of the whole world, to Atzilus itself, it's considered a tiny little crumb. It's considered insignificant. That's why it doesn't say you are the source of life. With you is the source of life. That's on the level of Atzilus. Now let's go even higher. Which is the whole knacker in the universe. It's the it's the source, it's the kesser for, for everything. It's the yet it's the source of Atzilus. Because it becomes the crown for Atzilus. But to you yourself, since it's only the the malchus of Adam Kadman, it's only the tail end of Adam Kadman. It's 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 secondary and not secondary. It's 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 nothing compared to Adam Kadman itself. You are so high, you're so high. So imcha, the the, the makar chaim is nothing to you because you're so high. Ah, however, we're not satisfied with that. What we want is. We want to draw you very, very self. Not just your malchus, your 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 nat- your your nether tail end of we want your entire being to get a mouth. We want the atta to become part of the imcha, the the makar chayim, and then come into the world. And that is as when we engage God, when we give our God out, when we give God our very being, God also gives us his entire. What does it mean? He descends to according to the both Pirushim that we said earlier. We add more light. We intensify the malchus. We make the kesser far, far more potent because we drink, we bring from the substance and the essence of the or that should be drawn down on the crown that's on the head. 
In other words, that the makifim of the world, the energy that's all over the world, should be the entire, the entire, the entire He's showing, he's showing that this idea that we constantly, that we constantly increase the crown, we make the crown so much more potent because we're bringing the essence of the emanator into the crown. Can also be seen that the that the crown is also a bowl. It's a super bowl. Super bowl. It's a super bowl. It's a crown, which means it's the whole energy, but it's also a bowl because it's always available for more light and more light and more, more infusion, more intimacy from a deeper place that God himself completely gives himself over to us. It says, It's like a bowl. The essence of the light of Adam Kadman, Yimshech Toisvis Ur Begulazu. More light should come down into this gula, into this bow. Mazao Ba'ur Kha in your essential light, Nira Oir. Pidish Ba'ur Kha. That's what we're saying, not Ba'ur. Ba'ur Kha, your light, you yourself, we will see light. Haina Kamoy Bhinas Atta. In other words, we were saying earlier the source of life is Imcha with you, not Atta. Now we're saying. Atta, we're going to draw you yourself to be the Makar Achaim. Not only what's something that's secondary to you. From the essence of the light of Adam Kadma should be drawn. That the light should be visible. You came to the last line. And when that will happen, we too will be illuminated. Not only will 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 there be an infinite influx of godly light, but we ourselves will be nearer. We will be illuminate. We will be illuminated and luminous because we brought all this light into the world. Wow.